Mind Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and this is your home for all things Marvel Comics, news, reviews, shows, things, this, that, and the other, whatever. Um, If you're coming to us from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is that you enjoy your podcast, we love it. If you would take some time uh, after the show to uh, rate, review us, uh, promote uh, whatever, you know, tell your your grandma or your great aunt that you listen to this great Marvel podcast, because I'm sure that they would love to hear all the things that we're going to talk about. We're also hosted by multiversitycomics.com, which is your home for all things comics related. They have a bunch of t- a ton, a bunch of ton. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, so much. Of new, so much, yeah. Of uh, news, reviews, other content, other podcasts, other fun think pieces, and this, that, and the other. So check Multiversity Comics out. Uh, today, uh, so Jess is not with us uh, this evening. Even in, but today I'm joined by uh, Elias and Jake, who are uh, two multiversity contributors. Jake is actually one of our sort of site manager folks, um, and we're uh, really excited to have them today. So, Jake, Elias, how are you guys doing? Hey, Kevin, really good. Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. Ready to talk some Marvel. I don't get to talk enough Marvel. <laughs> bitching about DC. Good, good. Well, we're we're glad for you to come over to the other side. So why don't uh, y'all take a couple minutes and um, or a couple seconds? I don't know, whatever. Uh, what are the kinds of things that you do um, for Multiversity Comics? Um, so Jake, we'll we'll start with you. You recently took on some more responsibilities over there. Uh, yeah, I believe my official title is a uh, manager at large. Um, which yeah, which means I don't have a sounds very large. Yeah, I think the at large means that I'm, I'm like roaming and I don't have a, a managerial home. And I'm basically the substitute manager, <laughs> I guess. When another manager is missing, okay. then I'm the manager of that section. Um, and and not just management stuff. Like uh, we needed a real review uh, real fast this week. And I just uh, reviewed mm-hmm. an Iron Man book just because we had a spot that needed to get filled. And I was thrilled to do it because I liked Dan Slot. Very cool. And what are you also uh, are the columnist for the Mutantversity column? as well right yeah that is very correct i read a lot of x-men and i write thousands of words about x-men every week and i talk about <laughs> x-men and most of my loved ones are sick of it <laughs> do you breathe x-men do you live x-men it's rough man it's more akin to like a very addictive and probably should be illegal drug <laughs> are you in a polyamorous relationship with the x-men I don't think there's a way to read the X-Men comics and not be in a polyamorous relationship with it and all the creators. Fair enough. Well, Jake, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And Elias, what are some of the things that you are kind of excited about and do over at Multiversity? Over on the site, I do... God, I do way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's true. uh, Right now, thankfully, uh, Brian has literally relieved me of of half of my responsibilities uh but i review supergirl and riverdale uh soon Mm. i will be reviewing the entirety of crisis along with the rest of uh our sweet sweet tv reviewers uh i run the web comics weekly column with our good friend mike uh and i also do the interviews with a web comic and i run the worthy column which is perpetually late uh but eventually shows (laughs) up one day i only like recently in the last year have started reading a lot of, or not really a lot, some like webcomic stuff, but I think it's really been sort of in like seeing a lot of all the webcomic coverage on the site. So I 
um, am, am grateful for that and that it's uh, introduced me to, I've been reading Lore Olympus. That's kind of been the thing that I've been really into. It's very good. It's very good. There's a reason why it, uh, it got that Eisner nom. I think it won too. Yeah. Yeah, it won. Um, that I forgot that the like crisis on infinite earth CW thing was coming, uh, here in a couple weeks. Also, I haven't watched yep. those shows in a very long time. I haven't either. And I'm so excited to not know what's going on. Oh yeah. You're <laughs> missing almost nothing. My brother's been texting me saying I need to watch Batwoman. And I've been saying, I don't have time for that, but I do think I want to maybe watch the crisis thing. Would I be able to do that without having watched the last like three seasons of most of those shows. I'll be honest. I have no idea. My guess is yes. (laughs) Um, Although I would suggest, although not, not, I would suggest people who are watching both arrow and flash are going to have a much, maybe not better time, but I feel like their arcs are going to, to be really impacted by crisis. That's really what's been building this season. Uh, Arrow's been doing a great job with that. Flash, okay. not as great, but my guess is it will be fairly self-contained once it arrives uh, because they got to drag in Black Lightning and Supergirl and the Legends will show up and Batwoman will show up and everyone's going to be kind of there uh, and they've never really been great at integrating Supergirl anyway. Hmm, okay. It's just too powerful, man. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It feels like it would be hard to do Supergirl on a CW budget, but... I've liked what I've seen of it. Um, but there's just too much TV, and so I buckle down and read comics instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, how long have both of you been reading uh, Marvel Comics? Jake, you want to take this first? Uh, why not? Um, my first Marvel comic that I remember uh, purchasing was um, when I was little. We moved to a new house, and it was walking distance from a video rental store. And um, I went there, and I rented all the Indiana Jones movies on VHS, like, once a week. And um, they had a spinning rack, and they used to sell Marvel books for a quarter. And I would go there with my dad, and he would give me a quarter. And the first Marvel book I bought was um, probably a lot of people's first Marvel book was X-Men number 1 by uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. I had the Magneto cover of uh, – I, I think there was four in the, in the, the uh, four variants in the collection. And then I got some Spider-Man stuff that didn't connect to anything and some Hulk stuff, but I mostly stuck with Spider-Man and X-Men for a while. And I would like on and off followed X-Men until the Onslaught story, which must have come out when I was like eight, nine, ten, something like that. But even then I was like, this is garbage. And that's when I swore off of comics <laughs> until I discovered Sandman in, in high school. Oh, cool. Very cool. Saved by the DC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Burned by the Marvel, saved by the DC, and then I had no loyalty and went right back to the Marvel, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ver- Vertigo is its own loyalty. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I do ride or die for Vertigo, 100%. No, fair enough. What about you, Elias? What about you? So, it's a little bit more complicated, uh, but mm-hmm. all good stories are. <laughs> uh, it uh, My first Marvel comic was, God, it had to have been, I don't remember the number, because I was like, way too young to be reading it but uh the first issue of j michael straczynski's spider-man series because my dad's a huge uh straczynski fan uh Mm. and so we he would read the issues of the comic to us uh not when they came out uh because like few few of them as they came out but then later we we kind of read them one after the other going through civil war uh and i legitimately cannot remember if we made it to one more day i i have to assume we did but 
my memory kind of stops right after Civil War and Back in Black uh, and then Aunt May getting shot. And then I didn't really read comics for the next decade. I feel like you'd remember <laughs> one more day, you know, like that. I feel like I would, but I was also pretty <laughs> young and thought Civil War was the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, <laughs> And then I, I didn't really read comics for a while. Uh, got back in through the 52, I shit you not, the 52 novelization. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I uh, stand for 52. Friend, I like everything you're saying right now, Lies. <laughs> <laughs> my, my friend had bought it and we were on, on, a, on a kind of program. And so I read it with him or I read it, I took it and then read it and gave it back. Uh, and then that started me back onto comics. And I think. I only got back into Marvel comics with it must have been the Marvel Now initiative because it was when Jane Foster took over being Thor before she was actually named uh, and unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I believe that was the all new Marvel Now, the very different, not at all confusingly titled all new Marvel Now. Yeah, the second one, but not the all new, all different. No, that was the third one. Initiative. Yeah. Well, Uh, both of y'all have been reading comics of a lot longer than I have, because speaking of all new, all different, all now, all whatever, sparkly, clean, cool things, (laughs) like that's around the time that I kind of started reading like Marvel comics in single issues. And I had like read some trades before and I had only started reading um, like comic comics like about a year and a half um, before that. Like I bought a bunch of of like sort of like the classic trades and then i like kind of dived right into the new 52 trades and started buying singles around the end of the new 52 um so y'all have a lot more a lot more years on me maybe a lot more knowledge in some ways um but that's really cool it's it's fun to have sort of like a like a disparate mix of of uh levels of knowledge and know-how and whatever um i never i never felt like a I wasn't like a trivia guy when I was a kid. I was just getting like random supermarket comics and loving them. And I didn't even know mm-hmm. I was like into comics until in college I discovered um, Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, that's the first mm-hmm. Marvel series I read too. Like all the like, yeah. And it, it was just exactly what it set out to do, right? It was just like, a, let's tell a Spider-Man story and it's an order and it's and it's like a story. Mm-hmm. And like everything, you don't have to read a lot of other stuff. And uh, the, the events of one story will affect the next story. And that was exactly what I wanted. And uh, then yeah. Civil War had just finished. And then I too thought Civil War was the coolest thing. I'm right there with Elias. <laughs> blew my mind and then i and then x-men also got me back in because i um i went on wikipedia one night i had a really awful creepy roommate and um i he was uh, making weird noises under his blanket and i went on wikipedia to like ha- have anything else to focus on <laughs> and this was right i'm not around, even gonna comment on that yeah, I, but go ahead. I don't have any answers to give i know you have questions but i have no answers <laughs> <laughs> um all right. But All right, to distract myself, I went on, on Wikipedia and I looked up. Uh, I was just like, "What's been happening in X Men since like 1996?" And um, I found out a, a new X Men was going on at the time, the one with the uh, the new school. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and there was and there was like fifty new kids, and I was just reading all of them. I'm like, there's comics with like surge and dust and elixir, and I was like, that sounds rad, and it wasn't, but I still loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, but you tried it anyway, and. I don't. I, I, that's another one. I I recognize it's not good comics, but I it's like comfort reading. I'll do. I'll go back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what of what are the kind of Marvel books that you're, excuse me, um, that you're enjoying, like right now? God. Well, I mean, most of the ones that we've come here to talk about, 
Sure. I've been loving Immortal Hulk. I'm a I'm a mm-hmm. sucker for a good horror comic, even though I'm a baby for horror <laughs> movies. Uh, yeah. But uh, that was genuinely the most shocking comic to come out of Marvel. I was so surprised at how good it was mm-hmm. uh, and continues to be. It's uh, funny that mm-hmm. you say that because I, I love Al Ewing. I think Al Ewing is a, like a secret weapon. And um, I had big expectations for that, and it still blew me away. Like it, my expectations could not have been higher, and it somehow exceeded those. Oh wow! Mm. I had I don't think I'd actually read any of his stuff beforehand, or if I did, I was middling on it at best. Uh, but this book, yeah, it, it, this book blew me blew me away. I read a lot of the Marvel comics, uh, mostly f- with with my friends. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, I'll support. I get these series, and they're like, I get these series, and we kind of read read across. Uh, but now that Squirrel Girl's gone, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot of not a lot else that I'm actively reading that's not stealth canceled or it's hard to remember. They put yeah. out too many series. They do put on a lot of books. This is very true. I'm reading a lot of them though. I um I'm loving um it's about to wrap up and Al Ewing's about to take over, but I, I love this short run of Guardians we got from Donny Cates. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the first Guardian series I've been like f- both in with both feet since um, the Abnet Landing one ended in 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that's like a good while. Yeah, pre pre Bendis. Yeah, since before Bendis took over, I, I didn't care for the Bendis run of Guardians. And um, who wrote it right after Bendis? Oh, Jerry Duggan wrote it after Bendis, and I like Jerry Duggan, but that just didn't do it for me. What else am I reading right now that I love? There's a bunch. Um, I really like Jason Aaron's Avengers. I I, I started uh, cold on mm-hmm. it, but I think it got really good. Um, I've been liking um, I've been liking a lot of the Spider-Man stuff. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like Nick Spencer uh, wrote one of the best Spider-Man comics of the last ten years, and now he's writing Spider-Man, and it's pretty good. And then there's this little corner of the Marvel universe called X-Men, and I read all of it like a hundred times. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Which we'll absolutely get to here in the second half of the show. <laughs> um, we've uh, we've been doing, you know, on this podcast and all over the comics interwebs, a ton of X Men coverage lately. But all the the Dawn of X stuff has so been much. really, really cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Immortal Hulk has like very quickly become one of my new co- like new favorites. I hadn't, I'd only read sort of like the first arc of it, and it had actually been kind of cold on it. And then I caught up recently, partly for this episode and partly just because everyone continued to say this book is the best and I I've come around. Um, so I think it's, I think it's really, 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 really wonderful. Daredevil has been great. Um, I was really into, uh, and it just wrapped up. It's like a little four issue thing. Uh, the death's head book that Teeny Howard and Kizama were doing. Oh yeah. That was one of my sort of ones that I was really enjoying. Um, but I thought there was going to be six issues and I was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of ended and yeah. Um, but they're like y'all are saying, there's a lot of, a lot of really good, good, good stuff coming out of Marvel right now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about two things, um, right now. So like I said, a lot of X-Men coverage lately, um, but there are a ton of other, you know, exciting or big Marvel books, um, events, other things. And actually, if you listen to our first episode of the month, you got to hear, uh, the DC three cast boys, Brian, Vince and Zach talk a little bit about their sort of impressions of the first few issues of the Dawn of X books. And they'll be back uh, the first part of December to do that as well. Um, but some of the other sort of like beginnings and endings and other big things that are happening at the moment, um, the annihilation scourge event began this week with the alpha issue. Um, I loved Matthew that. Rosenberg. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. 
<laughs> I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I, I think that one's going to be kind of fun. Um, Absolute Carnage wrapped up this week. Um, the 2099 event began, spinning out of uh, Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man stuff. Um, and then we're also getting uh, new books that are launching, um, like the Kelly Thompson and Chris Bacalo D- Deadpool, and then last week's uh, Vita Ayala and Marcelo uh, Ferreira's uh, Morbius book. Um, so we're going to talk about two books um, in this first part of the episode. One's kind of a milestone in the beginning of like the second part of a run, and the other is definitely an ending. So we're going to start first with uh, Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk. There's an L in there. Uh, number 25 and then we're going to move to the end of silver surfer black here in a second so mortal hulk 25 uh written as we said by the illustrious al ewing illustrated the first part of the book by german garcia and and that part colored by chris o'halloran and then the second sort of last couple pages illustrated by regular series artist uh, joe bennett inked by rue jose and then colored by Paul Mounts, all of it lettered by Corey Petit. Um, so last, Immortal Hulk was the, the book that you kind of brought up first and said this was one of my really exciting books. What did you think about this um, sort of 25th issue of the run? I, well, all right, I have a lot of thoughts. I pulled up the, the issue so I could look at it again because mm-hmm. it's so different from the rest of the series thus far. Because uh, the series hasn't really been, I don't want, it's been consistent, like it's been consistently good, but I want to say that a lot of it has been, what's the word for it? Well, it, it, it's gone through a lot of changes in the beginning. Like when, when at right. the beginning you said you were kind of cold on it, uh, I wonder if that was partially because it, there were a lot of very standalone, very, very traditional horror setups where you've got you know someone's doing something really crappy and then the monster shows up and exacts you know car- cosmic revenge on them uh it's the, mm-hmm. the very easy setup uh but then as it's gone on it's kind of delved more into well who is the hulk and and all of the the altars with banner uh and it's kind of been a, more of an examination of uh rage and uh who gets to have rage in our society yeah uh, and all that uh, but then this issue kind of steps away from all of that and jumps us to the end of the universe uh, to give us this really strange, intimate, and kind of terrifying look at you know what happens at the end and who are the people who are trying to save it all. Uh, it's like this last ditch effort, and it's just so such gorgeously illustrated by by uh, Garcia. Uh, it's like they're like the opening it's just empty and and bleak and desolate uh with just these heavy heavy uh blacks and grays and you feel like you're just kind of trapped in this asteroid field with with them uh and then but then by the end you know filled with green and you just see the hulk's face and it melts and you just want to scream along with the page (laughs) yeah and then it, it smash cuts basically uh with uh you know the flipped text to bennett's art which is just so completely different it's very very heavily inked uh but that's like that's the style we've come to expect from the series so it it produces this really cool contrast uh when uh the the leader i think that's the leader 
shows up again. The leader, the master, the thinker, one of one of them. Uh, he looks like Neocortex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those thes in the first name, the last name, something in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's the leader. Yeah. It's, definitely, it's the leader. Them. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, I think this was the perfect way to celebrate 25 issues and to kind of set up the long game. Be like, here's a sort of standalone. You could enter this and read the issue and come out with a satisfying conclusion. And the epilogue is the tie-in to the rest of the series where you're like, oh, it's 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 the hook instead of it just kind of being, oh, here's the next issue and then you're trapped in the middle of a six-issue arc. No, this is it's a 25th issue. It's a celebration. It, mm-hmm. You could read it on its own, and I really appreciate that. That's so that's really interesting because I I um I think I do agree with you when you were saying that I so I think I was cold on the first couple issues because they were sort of like sort of standalone and I was not really sure where we were going and then mm-hmm. the next sort of like 20 issues were this like very intricate and um sort of uh like spy-esque like thriller horror kind of like descent into like into literal hell and into literal sort of like philosophical and like psychoanalytic sort of like fun things that like I was really, really here for. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we got to this issue and, and it's so like, it's so funny because we haven't, I, we haven't talked about Immortal Hulk really very much on this show. And that's, that's probably been like a mistake of mine because I just haven't kept up with the series. Um, But this almost seems like the kind of issue that like, it almost seems like it, it would have been better for us to have talked about like the last issue, which sort of like wrapped up this like part one of, of um, everything or like the next issue, uh, an issue like 26, which goes back to like Bennett's art and sort of continues on things. Cause I, while I do, I think see like, this is, you know, like a, like a celebration, it's 25 issues. That's the beginning of like a new book. This could be sort of like a jumping on point. And in fact, like if this had been a new number one, it would have made a lot of sense. Um, I don't know that this was like a great sort of um, introduction to all these sort of new concepts. Cause I think I was like still really mm. looking forward to the conclusion or like to the sort of like the next steps from, from everything last issue. And I do get that like the last issue ended with banner at the end of like the eighth iteration of the universe or whatever. And then like the ninth is about to break in and he's like becoming the new Galactus. And like, that's what this is is mm-hmm. like him being the new Galactus told from this like different perspective. But I, I thought that like it was kind of really long, which is like what most uh, celebratory issues like this are. I kind of felt like the first few, I mean, like I feel like the sort of like love, weird love story breakup, whatever thing of these like amoeba, whatever peoples in the first part like could have been like a little bit shorter. I do agree that like this was illustrated very, very beautifully. And I loved looking at it and I thought that it sold that sort of somber and lonely sort of feel um, like you were saying, mm. but I thought like it was kind of less exciting than the other things that had come before. That's just so funny to hear you guys say that. Cause I thought I would come in with a really controversial take, uh, which is that I thought it was like a massive artistic achievement, just a masterpiece. And I didn't care for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of there. Like I thought it was really, really pretty it was like gorgeous to look at, like seeing Hulk be like big and galactusy was like really cool. Yeah. Um, but I don't like, I don't know for the, it's like, again, like for this to have been the issue that, that we've talked about immortal Hulk on this show, this, 
doesn't really seem to be emblematic of like the entire series, even though, like the entire series has been really, really good. Well, I think Eli- I think Elias nailed it though. That um, it's definitely he was um, like for a Marvel book to hit twenty five now seems like such an achievement because they all get canceled by twelve. <laughs> Oh, right. Absolutely. And uh, so he hit 25 and then they were like, people like this. You can keep going. So I feel like he gets to do his one weird art flex issue, just like uh, do something really experimental. And even if it doesn't land, I appreciate that he took the swing um, and that he knows he's in a position that he gets to do stuff like that. Like if he was only doing traditional stuff with all the the power that it seems like is being given to this book, then, you know, that's cool and everything. But I like that uh, Ewing's the kind of guy who... Um, if you give him a blank check, he does something wild. Right. Don't get me wrong. I have no idea what happened at the beginning of this, <laughs> this issue. Uh, With the amoeba romance? I, I, uh, yeah. When I first read it, I'm like, I don't see how any of this ties into the the, the themes that he's set up or uh, any of the, the ideas so far. And I feel like he's going to explore that later, which is kind of why I liked it. Because I'm a sucker for this kind of weird sci-fi bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sure. It, it leaned into that heavy at the beginning, and then as soon as Hulk shows up, it's just full-on cosmic horror, or maybe not cosmic horror, but but uh, space horror. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if it hadn't been Garcia doing the art, it wouldn't have landed as, as oh, def- well for Definitely, me. definitely. Uh, definitely, because... Yeah. He just sells the power of cosmic Hulk coming in and body checking a planet this is why i love ewing so much though because i i you talk to ewing and you think that he's probably like this huge marvel fanboy he's got all the handbooks and the trading cards and whatnot but he's really not he just uh, has like a really good writing process a really good research uh, process he always asks his editor like what are your favorite of uh that i should read and then he like he goes back and reads it and that's how he builds his story Mm-hmm. But it's not coming mm-hmm. from this like deep lore. Like um, I never knew as a Marvel fan about the Bruce Banner Sasquatch connection. I didn't mm-hmm. either until reading this book. Yeah, yeah. I just I like it's never come up for me in a Hulk book, and now that's like my favorite angle. I want more adventures of Bruce Banner and his asshole roommate. That sounds like a great book. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's dead, so it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, death means very little in this book. Right. Death isn't real. Yeah, Bruce, um, Bruce is dead every issue. That's yeah. Good point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think like the parts of this book that have, I think like really like sold me on a lot of it too, has been just like all the quotes at the beginning. Um, like (laughs) even, even if like this wasn't, I mean, like it plays with the Hulk mythology and like the Hulk sort of like all these different Hulk stories that I haven't read, but like really ties them up in like a really, really fun way. But all the like quotes at the beginning, like the kinds of like different sources that like Ewing's um, like pulling from, like all the uh, like all the yeah. Carl Jung Jung quotes and all the like like psychoanalysis and like mythology things, like that's, I mean, like I'm in like graduate school right now, like like studying religions. Like this is like my shit. <laughs> and um, normally I'm, that stuff pisses me off in comics. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I love I, it. I love it. There oh, was. Man. I mean, also, also, I don't know. There's something, something about uh, ep- epigraphs, epitaphs. I never know what it's called. That just epigraph. Sometimes they just get you in the worst possible time and the worst mm-hmm. way, and you're just like, "Fuck you! I don't like the rest of the story." <laughs> like, it will set the tone. I kind of like the sort of the idea of being primed to think about something because I don't yeah. think because um, like I haven't read those like the early, early, early Hulk stuff, which is as far as I know, very like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of thing. And, and 
I think Ewing's really like returned to all of that and like taken this sort of like spin on it by giving um, like just integrating all of these different personalities and like all of these different sort of archetypes and all of this kind of stuff, like saying like the kinds of like psychology that was happening when like Stanley and Jack Kirby were doing Hulk things um, in like the sixties has like evolved a lot. And so, and I think that's really, really cool. He's also drawing a lot from the the Peter David run from the eighties and nineties. And I think that uh, mm. the late '80s is definitely when that kind of pop psychology was coming back into vogue. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a reason why um, the Enterprise on the Next Generation is the one that has the shrink sitting next to the captain. Mm-hmm. People <laughs> took their pop psych really seriously in the late '80s. That's true. But yeah, uh, I I think I think I'm kind of with Jake. I wasn't super hot on this issue, but like I have been endeared to this series now, having read, like having having caught up on it, and so I'm super excited to see. Uh, where everything goes. And I love I love all the mythology building. I love, um, if you're going to write in a superhero universe, I, I love writers who build stuff, who aren't just uh, playing the hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everything he's doing with mm-hmm. the, the exploring what gamma is and what magic is and how the, mm-hmm. but then um, how there's this one below all and it's the devil that the, even the devil's fear and he has a son and that son is the Hulk and the abuse that Bruce <laughs> suffered under his father was so traumatic that it like bonded them with this literal devil and the devil's rage son. Like, I don't know what that means and it fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I love to... I read the the first issue of uh, the new Ghost Rider book and like the the green door and like the one below all. There's like a, a thing in the back, sort of like a, a, a lithograph of of here's all the different hells in the Marvel universe. Mm. And like this one shows up, and I was like, oh, this is cool that there's like this like cross pollinating that's happening, and like that Ewing has created another hell. And I guess <laughs> that's what the world needs is more hell. Um, <laughs> So. Well, I think part of it is this Marvel's on such a hot tear right now. They got a lot of really cool creators working for them. I think they are just fans of each other, and they want to reference each other's work in this way that they didn't 10 years ago, where uh, everybody oh, was yeah. wanted to make their voice distinct. And I'm not knocking that. That was cool for then, but um, now everyone is, uh, seems so keen to play, and I'm really into that. That's like, making the books more fun for me to read, at least. Yeah, and I love how this actually came about because of the week that weekly series Avengers uh, no no surrender yeah it's just like well banner's dead the fuck do we do now <laughs> let's just bring him back we'll just and then bring him back. was like wait 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 I know how mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's like just arrives out of a cave and I was like well how did you come back and he's like Shh, by my first issue <laughs> yeah 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 and like uh, the fact that like this, and 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 we'll talk about the X Men stuff in a bit. But like the the comics that have made death sort of um, as opposed to like a a plot device that is like very sort of like ah somebody died, and more just like another tool for like thinking about character and thinking about story and thinking mm-hmm. about um, how you can move sort of the realm of all these characters forward as opposed to like just blowing things up for the sake of blowing things up, which I think is kind of what you were saying, saying Jake of like hitting the nostalgia button over and over again yeah it's a more thoughtful approach yeah yeah um well cool do y'all have any other thoughts about this one issue before we move on not on this one cool okay so we're uh now on to uh the last issue of silver surfer black uh silver surfer black number five it was a five issue uh mini series um it's credited uh to uh to story 
by Donny Cates and Trad Moore, uh, with Cates on the script and, and more on the art. So just implying that there was sort of maybe a more cohesive, um, like storytelling approach to this comic, uh, colored by the illustrious Dave Stewart and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Uh, oh my God, this book has been gorgeous. Um, I, I asked Borer if I could buy a page of this. I was like, no price is too great. Then he told me the price and I was like, okay, that might be too great. That's too great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Like what was It was like the... two to three grand. Oh, okay. Wow. I was like I was I mean I was getting ready to drop like a couple hundo for a page of this book, which is unheard of for me because I this is the prettiest Marvel book I've seen ever. Yeah. Don't knock yeah. Dowderman that much. But, <laughs> no, 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 I mean, being number two to Silver Surfer Black is no, uh, no shade. It's like, it's, true. Silver, it's, it's true. so cool and gorgeous and surprising. Yeah. I love, I loved this series. I love this issue. Yeah. Yeah. This is like looking at sort of, um, like, like I like I love Dodderman stuff and it's, it's kind of like, even though it's like more sort of like curvy and all that and sort of like new, uh, like new Marvel, whatever, it's still like sort of founded in like very kind of traditionally whatever. And like, this is just like, like going to like the contemporary art section of the museum <laughs> and you're just walking around and you're like, what the fuck is any of this stuff? Um, you walk like, in and suddenly a cubist painting is making out with a Dada sculpture and you're like, what, how, where, when? I, I, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but sure, yeah. I, I also love on this issue, I'm looking at my comic shelf right now and I got a bunch of um, the Ghost Rider that Tradmore did. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I love his art on that. I, I mean, I, I can't think of a single thing he's ever worked on where I didn't like his art. Um, but this book is just that everyone in the team is just at the top of their game. Uh, Dave Stewart is uh, doing stuff with Tradmore uh, with the colors that I've never seen anyone try to do with Tradmore. And it's like, it's unbelievable. That's uh, they should work together forever. And Clayton Cowles is like the, the kind of guy who he could just come in and letter a book and you could even not notice he's there. And he could just do like a perfect job and be in and out. Or he could do something really showy and uh, just like totally psychedelic. And you could ask him for like next level stuff and he'll deliver. And they asked him to like do some of the best work he ever did on this and it was phenomenal yeah the other thing i was gonna bring up that i thought was um just such a smart move is um i, I guess talking about um being like uh, moving forward and looking back at the same time like we were talking about with the hulk um i feel like uh with silver surfer you have like silver surfer by mobius and you had the silver surfer that uh mike allred did like silver surfer is definitely the book that you give to people to really go all out with the artwork on more than any marvel book right sure like yeah. maybe silver yeah. surfer and dr strange maybe and because it was kind of like a throwback to this tradition of these artist-driven, uh, heavily impressionistic, psychedelic Silver Surfer books, it would have been really easy to kind of do the – like play the hits. Just have like Silver Surfer and he's trapped on a planet and he's sad about Galactus and um, – and you bring a, and you bring another like a uh, cosmic being like the Collector or Ego or something like that. But then the fact that they brought in um, that villain from um, Absolute Carnage who – I pronounce the K. How do you guys pronounce that villain's name? No. Oh, I've, I've been pronouncing it as null. That's the yeah, right like way. I really zero. Yeah, I obstinately call him Knull. Knull. There's a that's fun. There's a K in there. <laughs> I can't tell if he looks like more of a Knull or more of a Null. You know, like I, I'm. He gives me this like a Kylo Ren vibe. I think if you if you look like Kylo Ren, you're Knull. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. K and the K. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. that makes sense. And Knull's kind of try hard, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, mm -hmm. he yeah. seems kind of try hard to me. 
But I, yeah. I mean, did you see that sword? Did you see how many veins it had? <laughs> but that, that being said, I like that there's this um, try-hard villain who could equally menace Venom and Thor. What a good idea. Just like Venom and Thor. What if they were yeah. the same th- series? And then Silver Surfer's fighting him like in a battle through time. This is genius stuff. This is all I wanted, Marvel. Thank you for delivering. Yeah, I think like the first issue, again, to the end of the first issue of this book and realizing that it's somehow tied into everything that Kate's was doing on Venom stuff. Um, which is like, like good, like good comic booking, but like Venom is like not really ever a character that I've like cared a whole lot about. Uh, but like the fact that he can somehow make this tie in to like Venom stuff and is going to tie into like, it seems kind of like what he's going to be doing with Thor. Like it just is, is wild to me that, that he could thread all of these like different bits through so many different titles that seem so, so like disparate and all that. But you're right. Like, I think this is really like, I've been really impressed the way that, um, that he's done this. And there were some people even saying like the, because like silver surfer, like stays, uh, his sort of like, um, black opaque, whatever color at the end of, of this series that like that somehow ties into like, kate's thanos stuff because like silver surfer was like dark looking in like that series or something Mm. like at the end of the world or whatever like i don't even know like it just seems cool that all this stuff is like building on each other even though it seems like it shouldn't it it also ties to um al ewing did a a miniseries called defenders the best defense oh Oh, yeah 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 yeah. and there there was a bunch of and there was elements from that and from Immortal Hulk. It like ties all together where the um, Silver Surfer and Knull of the One Below All and what's been going on with Mephisto in the current Al Ewing, Jason Aaron, uh, Jane Foster Valkyrie book. Like, I love this stuff. This is exactly, exactly what I want when Marvel's firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing that all this Venom stuff, all of it from start to finish started or at least tied back into something that uh, Jason Aaron picked up, put down and said, you know what? I'll leave this here. I'll pick it up. Maybe someone else will pick it up with all black, the Necrosword. Right. Yeah. Where did this come from? Whose is it? I don't know. It crash landed on this planet. Gore picked it up and was like, fuck everyone. And then it ties, and it ties into the Bendis guardian stuff too. It's just like all of it. It feels like a, a serialized narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from? Kai and I, Joe. Oh, and, I was uh, hoping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious, I guess, like, like I, so I thought, I, I, I think that this issue is brilliant and I've loved, I've loved this whole series and like all the four first four issues of this book have been really gorgeous, but I think like this even like takes the cake out of all of them. Like it, I thought that like it couldn't get better and then it got better like art wise, like more and Stuart, um, like that, that double page spread where like null canal and yeah uh, like uh, and norin are like fighting or whatever but there's like the like boxes like ticking down on like both sides and like one of them like the one on the right is like showing like silver server's like body like getting darker and him like losing like the energy and the other one's showing like the sun getting bigger like i just think there's a lot of like really brilliant technical things in the art that it's almost like there are points that maybe like i didn't need as much of like kate's uh like inner monologuing or whatever but like uh, but like the art just like sells everything so like so crispy and so so beautifully. And I wanted to ask because I think like so I think like next month like the solicit kind of for the Guardians of the Galaxy twelve thing has been saying that all of Kate's stuff has kind of been leading there. And I'm curious 
if you guys have thoughts about how like Silver Surfer is going to show up again, kind of in this form. Cause I, I think that's like, that's a question I got. Like I got to the end of this. I really enjoyed this issue and I enjoyed the series, but I guess aside from this kind of being a like, uh, like crisp sort of like fun five issue narrative in and of itself. Like I'm like, where, where is this going? Like what's like, what's going to happen with this? I think it's going to tie into, um, Annihilation Scourge is, I think, the next place where he's going to be showing up. Okay. He's got okay. he's got oh, an issue yeah. with that. And um, in the first issue of Annihilation Scourge, they um, there's like a little montage of who's going to be showing up, and there's a shot of the surfer. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I kind of have no idea. Like, I got to the end of this, and I thought, um, like, wow, this is really cool and really pretty, but I like I don't know what happens next. And maybe like that was the point of it, was that it was kind of supposed to be like this could stand alone, could sell a lot of traits for forever and ever and ever kind of story. Um, but anyway, I really enjoyed it. Um, well, folks, I think uh, with that, we're going to take uh, a brief break. When we come back, we're going to discuss our rankings of all th- the first six of the Dawn of X books and talk a little bit about the first issues of the ones that we haven't talked about on this show. So we will see you then. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, bad Dandadio impressions, this is bad, what the f***, and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we're back for this second part of the episode uh elias and jake and i are going to be going through our rankings of the first six uh issues of the dawn of x uh sort of reign and realm of hickman being the head x head of x that's his credit in the other in the other books that are not the books that he's writing right that he's like head of x head of x i I love it that's so cool that's so cool so dawn of x so there's six um current uh dawn of x titles six titles in the x-men universe and they are the the uh main x-men book written by hickman illustrated by Lionel Yu, uh marauders written by jerry duggan illustrated by mateo lolly uh excalibur written by teeny howard illustrated by marcus toe x-force written by ben percy illustrated by joshua katsara new mutants which is co-written by hickman and ed brisson though hickman will eventually uh, exit being the co-writer on the title and Brisson will take it over but the first issue was co-written by them both and illustrated by Rod Rice and then lastly uh, Fallen Angels which is written by Brian Hill and illustrated by Simon Kadransky. Um so all six issues have come out we're actually this week by the time you're hearing this podcast we'll have the second issues of X-Men Marauders and Excalibur but we're not going to be talking about those um, at the moment as much as it pains uh, me though Though Jake is very excited about Marauders number two. Um, but uh, before we get into our rankings, so, we, so we've talked about X-Men number one and the Hawks Pox books on this show previously. Um, so we might spend less time talking about that first issue and talks about House of X, Powers of 10 overall. But I realize that y'all haven't had a chance to talk about that on Make Mine Multiversity. So I'm curious. And, uh, and Jake, we'll start with you since you're the uh, mutant versity expert um, on the site. Uh, what were sort of your overall thoughts in brief on <laughs> House of X and Powers of Ten and kind of where we are now in the uh, the X-Men um, universe? 
Um, if you want to hear my thoughts not in brief, please go to multiversitycomics.com, <laughs> click on the Mutantversity yeah, columns, yeah. and just like read thousands and thousands of words that I wrote about it. Uh, but in brief... It... Excellent shameless plug. I love it. That was good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, in brief, it was a freaking <laughs> masterpiece. Um, it mm. was like... a. What okay? The special thing about um, House of X and Powers of Ten was that it was the first time since like the first time I can remember in years that it felt like a lot of the comics fandom was talking about the same comic, getting energized and excited, and trying to guess what's happening next. Everyone was keeping up with mm -hmm. it, exchanging rumors. It became this social thing, and I feel like that only happens when we all really hate something. It's so rare that there's a comic that a lot of people are just excited about to the level that like. Um, like a big TV show, like how people got when they like Game of Thrones or Lost or any of those shows where like we all had like the water cooler show, but for comics, that happens but rarely. Yeah. And when it does, it's special, it's magical, we should treasure it. Hoxpox was a masterpiece, it will always be a masterpiece, I think, but you can never recapture that amazing summer of 2019 when it just like totally took over my life. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's powerful stuff. Um, yeah, Elias, what are your your sort of in brief thoughts, House of X? Powers of Ten and the sort of new dawn of X-Men things. It totally caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> when I don't even remember any of the announcements other than, oh, I remember because it was, it was Hickman is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like the uh, teaser thing that, yeah. Just Hickman returning and all the, the cryptic teasers in the books. And then they're like, oh yeah, in two months, Hickman's shutting down all of X-Men and rebooting it. Have fun. Bye. Uh, I had no idea what to expect, and then when each issue hit, so I I had read almost no X Men before this. I've read mm -hmm. very little of of their their series going back. I think I read one issue of of Grant Morrison's because it was free uh, on Comicsology. Mm -hmm. So I I came in very very cold. Uh, uh, well, I I had been kind of reading the the Age of X Men X Man stuff. Uh, so I didn't come in super cold, but it blew me away. I was gobsmacked by the fact that one, they were able to make 12 issues, uh, in 12 weeks this good. Uh, and it didn't feel like there was an artist churn. There was a clear vision for each mm -hmm. of the books. They must've had this plan months in advance. A year, a year uh, in advance. A year, a, a whole year. year. In okay. Yeah. I, I have not read any of that, but the fact that that, they put in the time and the effort for that just made these books sing. Uh, and like, I would basically text Jake the night of reading them uh, <laughs> with all of my thoughts. Cause oh, nice. I was, I, he's our resident X-Men expert. And yeah. every time I'd be like, well, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? All these charts and theories and, and, <laughs> Uh, and I'd be like, who the fuck are these people? Uh, yeah. Why is everyone yeah. getting so excited about this name drop or this weird cameo in the background? Or uh, like, so I must have, because I had heard about, I had heard of Moira somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't remember where Moira McTaggart, she came out, she must have come up in yeah. one of the books I was reading. Um, and they just kind of talked, oh, it was X-Men Grand Design. That's where I heard of, sure. of of Moira McTaggart. That that series really helped me understand, maybe not understand uh, House House of X, Powers of Ten, but that that book was a great introduction, kind of to the X Men's bullshit in a concise and uh, kind of streamlined way. Being like, here's all the greatest yeah. hits. 
in order kind of told as a history. Which is really You're cool. better than me because um, I only knew Moira through Rose Byrne, yeah, and X Men first class. So, but can I uh, can I just add to what Elias is saying that Elias and I are like buddies, but I feel like uh, Hoxbox was such a bonding experience. Like I I looked forward yeah. to those panicked oh, Elias texts cool. so much, and um, <laughs> and that was it was like, Damn, who is Moira? Why does this matter so much? I reconnected yeah. with my for I, I was a camp counselor. I reconnected with my former campers who I know are X Men fans because I. Like reached out. I'm like, are you reading this crazy bullshit? I like, um, <laughs> it, it, like tr- true, real relationships are being um, created and strengthened and renewed because on the strength of the excitement around this book. And so I cannot understate like what a positive force it has been for me. Two of my mm. friends who are diehard DC fans, like 90% of what they read are DC. They were reading this book week to week. That's how big of an impact it had. And like we'd text each other every so often and be like, did you see this? Did you see that? It was wild. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I, it, I think it's the only time that I've seen this with comics. I've seen it with TV, with movies, but with comic books, this kind of discussion I think was maybe not unheard of, but it hadn't, been, hadn't happened in a while. And it, I don't think it's happened since the internet age. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something special. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I I would I would echo all of those things. In fact, it's funny that you brought up like the relationship kind of like that aspect of it. Like I spent so I spent the summer um, like interning um, in somewhere in New Jersey, and now I'm like back in Chicago, like doing school things again. And like when Hawksbox started, it was like one of the sort of like really fun things that like there were times that excuse me that like I felt kind of like oh, I'm out here on the East Coast and like, I don't know a lot of people and stuff and like getting to like talk about Hoxpox stuff with like the people at Multiversity like and like our Slack channels um, like with like with Jess and like and like all these sort of different menus and seeing people talk about this. It was like a thing that like kind of kept me uh, like nuts, like just kind of like, like grounded in like something else like really, really fun that I was enjoying. Uh, and I loved, I loved getting to read these books. Like I loved, um, the like week to week aspect of it. I loved like seeing people like freak out about it. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was fun too, because it felt like there's so many times that I'm on Twitter um, that I just feel like inundated with noise or inundated with like loud, angry people that either do or do not know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And this was just like a time that like, it wasn't, it was it just like, there was some kind of other force that was like channeled into doing something that was maybe more productive and well if not productive really, really <laughs> uh, positive. not necessarily productive but at least po- positive, positive. Okay. yeah positive yeah. yeah sure all right whatever yeah yeah the, um but no one of the, i, oh, I was no, say, ahead, one other really yeah. interesting thing that i think was very unintentional was that hoxbox kind of brought up a lot of the problems with the distribution system yeah <laughs> that's this true is massively popular weekly series Mm-hmm. and everyone was reading and they were like we need the issue each week otherwise the yeah. next issue you're going to lose that impact and i also really wonder how many people read just house of x or just powers of 10 and what that mm-hmm. reading experience was like yeah i don't know anyone that did that but yeah uh, i have a friend who the, is yeah, the distribution stuff i i was genuinely surprised probably because i don't really know much about distribution uh, well, I, I know it was the distribution was hell for retailers because um, mm-hmm. by the time Hoxpox was over, they were just processing the numbers from the first issue. Yeah, 
So they had no data to, to do. They were going blind week to week. And I have one friend who I think is reading it now issue by issue, and she read all of House of X, and now she's about to start Powers of Ten. And I was like, that's not how you do it. She's like, well, why did they number them that way? So Yeah. <laughs> I have been, Ask I've her been what wanting, it was like. Uh, yeah. I want I wanted to know. I want to, like, read them. And I've already, like, I've already read them multiple times, which is maybe would, like, taint some of this or whatever. Like, I want to read all of house of X and then read all of powers of 10, like separately, partly because I mean, like we're doing, so currently we're doing our like voting on multiversitycomics.com for like our end of the year stuff. Uh, and like we're treating house of X and powers of 10 as two separate books because they are two separate books, two books that are one, one. two books that are one. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, Oh, I need to read them separately. And figure out two how books I would. that yeah. are one. Yeah. The greater good. Uh, what? Yeah. Great. Yeah. I like want to figure out what that experience must have been like, just because I'm mm-hmm. curious. Um, and I think it would lead me to probably believe that like House of X is maybe the superior book in some ways, because mm. I would think that reading Powers of Ten all by itself might have been a harder read. Because like the this the issue that makes Powers of Ten make sense is House of X number two. Yeah, and <laughs> the second so, best which is kind of funny. funny. The, the, yeah, well, and it makes sense that it would be. In House of X, I think. Um, but also, it's like the key to unlocking powers. Of, I don't know. So anyway. You're right. Um, You're absolutely right. I want to do that. I want to do that because I'm curious. Uh, yeah. I, he, they, def, they definitely are more coherent separately. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. one, it is two series that are one, but because the artists are the same on, on House and, and Powers, uh I think Jake and I had this discussion of like what was what were the aims of the separate series because they both had different goals underneath it, uh, and and I wondered if they had different themes and different approaches to the same subjects that they were they were talking about. Because um, mm-hmm. why do this? Why not just say, oh, it's going to be a twelve issue miniseries? Here's one, two, three through twelve. Why separate them? What what does that do for the work? What does the title? How does yeah. it? Because so I I'm a very my, my, my degree is in creative writing so i think about this a lot uh like what yeah, does the title yeah. do for the work how does the title inform the work how does the work inform the title um what is the project of house of x what is the project of powers of 10 um and how do the two interplay so that's mm-hmm. kind of what i was thinking while reading them yeah i was listening to um uh the sketched podcast that david harper does um and he had Jonathan Hickman on a couple of weeks ago, and like between that and like some interviews, it Hickman made it sounded like made it sound like that Powers of Ten was kind of like the like sketch document of here's kind of where we're going, and here's like all this backstory that like people are going to need eventually, and it wasn't always supposed to be uh, like we're going to give this to everyone, like it was going to be this would show up later in sort of the whole Don of X things. And like the mm. person who is going to write the Moira book was going to sort of tell some of that story. But because that Hickman made it sound like, because that a book about Moira is coming and the writer who Hickman really wanted to write that book is available and available like sooner, then he had to give some more of that information. Thus like the two series, but I am really curious what it would look like without mm. having known some of the powers of 10 things, because I don't think like, I, I think they both enrich one another. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of sort of like my endearment to all of this world now 
because like I hadn't, I, I was kind of like utilized, like I hadn't read a lot of X-Men books before House of X and Powers of 10. And I loved this. Uh, and like, I'm super invested in all this stuff. And I've had a lot of moments reading some of these books and I'm like, I don't know who these people are, but this is cool. Yay. <laughs> uh, and like, but it's encouraged me to go back and read some older X-Men stuff. Like I started reading like Grant Morrison's new X-Men things because I um, like really loved like Hawksbox. And um, it sounds like a disease when I say that out loud. It always does. Um, it does. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. But like, it, it, I feel like I got like just enough like 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 I'm really into sort of like the, the the like world building and like how to build a world and how to like build a mythology kind of stuff and like I think that's really cool and I got enough of that in House of X and Powers of Ten that I'm like I'm invested in all of this for the long haul no matter how good or bad some of these things are, um, which is a nice transition into the next thing we wanted to do actually. Yeah, because we're going to talk about how good or bad some of these things are. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for this yeah. way more. I haven't started enough on Twitter. I need more. I want to qualify this exercise by saying I think these are all good books, and even my lowest ranked book on this list is above a lot of other stuff that I read happily. So That's fair. That's fair. I like – I. I will say before I I have liked all of the Dawn of X books. I have not liked any of them except maybe one as much as I have liked reading House of X and Powers of Ten. That's I, yeah. that's um, a, like a fact because House of X and Powers of Ten. Like I said, there was something magic about it that um, yeah. even if there's a series that you really love, or even if there's a series that's kind of similar, there's just like that was that was the that was the peak. That was the, the it the, was so yeah. hyper focused and given mm-hmm. to us. At just the right interval so that you didn't forget between issues if that was a monthly monthly release each that would have killed that momentum so hard 100 percent. yeah i think so yeah so okay so what we're gonna do folks is that we're gonna go sort of in order like we're all gonna do our number sixes up to our number ones and taking a cue from our friends over at the dc3 cast uh we're gonna do because we want to talk about all the number one issues at some point they do a model of of they talk about the book in the highest position that it's placed. If I have like X-Men higher than Elias and Jake do, we'll talk about X-Men when it comes up on my ranking list. And that's how we're going to approach it. So we're going to start with our number sixes and work up to our number ones. I already know that we're going to agree disagree on a lot of things. So much, so <laughs> much. Great. But we're also coming from such oh, different yeah. places, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start with Elias. We'll go to Jake ah. and go to me. So Elias, we'll start with you. What was your number six? We're only talking about the first issues. Yep. We're not. Yeah. So what is your your number six? Fallen Angel. No question. Okay. We'll talk about that later. All right. Jake, what is your number six? My number six was X-Force. Okay. We'll talk about <laughs> I want to write. I want to write these. Okay. So my number six um, is is Marauders. That is a knife through my heart. You have betrayed me. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. This yeah. is gonna be fun. Yeah. This is gonna be awful. Okay. No, I'm so, so excited. This is great. All... I, I think I think we're we're gonna we're gonna make this work. Okay. All right. So now we're at number five. That was very quick. Um, okay, Elias, what is your number five? All right. So here's where my list just falls apart, and I have to kind of pick randomly. <laughs> I think I got. I think I got to put. Uh, Put our, our dear friend X Force at number five. Okay, um, we'll talk about that later. 
Well, well <laughs> similarly, similarly, I'm going to have to uh, mirror somewhat and agree a little bit with Elias because my number five is Fallen Angels. Ah, uh, we've got our bottom two flipped. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. We'll talk about that later. Uh, uh, Kevin's going to regret uh, having us as guests. Oh yeah. This is this is uh, this is just going to be. We're taking a whole over. Thing. We're taking uh, over. It's going to be a mess. Oh my god. Uh, my number five is the main X Men title. Ah. All right. Interesting. Okay. My Kevin. I have like go- I have big plans for you. I got goals. All right. <laughs> number four. Number four. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Number four. Uh, I think I got to put Excalibur there just because I don't really remember what happened in it. At this point, most of my picks are at a similar level. We'll get into it. We'll we'll get to that later. Okay, okay. We'll talk about Excalibur later. I feel like I'm the only one saying we'll talk about it later. And ah, uh, okay. All right, Jake. What's your number four? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Flip that. Sorry, New Mutants. Oh, New Mutants is your number four. Number whatever. <laughs> I I just want to make it clear that the distance is going to grow here because uh, number five and number four. You know, I, I thought Fallen Angels and uh, X Force. I will get more into it, but I thought they they're on a similar level for me. I thought that there's there's parts of Fallen Angels I liked a little better, um, but much better than either of those is my next one, and that's the main X Men book is coming in at number four for me. Okay. Um, I guess <laughs> Elias has it higher, so we'll we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, my number four, we will talk about this book is X Force. X Force number one. Um, See, I thought you were going to put that at number one for sure. You you got oh, so tense. No, 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 no. X Force, I X Force is number four. We made it. Time to dig into X Force number one. So, okay, so, yes, we did it. So Jake had a number six. Elias had a number five. I had a number four. All kind of in the bottom half of the list. So Jake, we'll start with you because you had it at the lowest. Um, why was X Force number one at your at your number six? Um, well, I had the pleasure of uh, speaking to Ben Percy recently, and I found him to be like a lovely, weird man who I would hang out with. Yeah. He seems I great. I interviewed him when he was still on Nightwing <laughs> when he was at CG2, and I totally agree with that. Yeah, that rules. He's a cool weirdo, um, and I think he's like a really creative guy and a good writer in a lot of ways, but I just don't know. He he doesn't come from comics originally, right? No, he's he's a, he's a novelist. Yeah, he's a novelist originally, and I think it, I, I I feel bad trashing the guy because I like him so much. But I just think uh, and a podcast writer, uh, and a podcast writer. I think comics is the transition to comics has been tough for him. I don't think it's a good comic script. I feel like um, a lot of his ideas were good, but the pacing was so weird. Like um, there was no economy to how he set up the story. There was way too many pages given to certain aspects. There was other. Um, the things that he just breezed by. I actually, um, Marvel posted the script online at some point. I read the script, and um, there's like uh, identities of characters, for example, are things that he mentions in the script, but it never comes across in dialogue. So unless you read the script, uh, you, you'll never know that, for example, the um, paramilitary force is called is the Reavers, is the new version of the Reavers, which is a connection to a, an X Men oh, thing okay. of the past. No. Um, yeah, and yeah, I missed that. Yeah, well, he didn't miss it. It just wasn't <laughs> in the comic. It was only yeah. in the script. Um, you missed it because it wasn't there. And I write that off as I, I, I don't think that that was thoughtful. I think that was sloppiness. I, I think he didn't uh, understand. I, I, I hope I'm not maligning the the guy's character, but it just seems like uh, what he thought was uh, going to come across on the page wasn't what was in his script. Is and I, because of that, it's got to be my lowest. It just like doesn't work so much as a comic, even though I like a lot of his ideas and uh, his characterization and stuff. Okay. Loved his Black Tom. Black Tom was I love this new version of Black Tom. Mm. <laughs> okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I like had like some problems I think with the issue and like I didn't pick up on the reverse thing at all. And there were some like oddly paced 
um, like things in the comic. I definitely thought I will say for me, like I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this was of like all of sort of the first few issues. Like this one is the one that kind of like feels the biggest in some ways because of the like cliffhanger from at the end of the book. Uh, and I yeah. like it for that. It's had the, mo- the most ringing, yeah. ringing changes. Yeah. I like it. I like it for that reason. Um, and I, and I really like Joshua Kassar's art. I like that too. I think a lot of like what house of X and powers of 10 really did for me is that it was just like one sort of like reveal after the other. And it really feels like a lot of these books and we'll, I talk about this with some of the other books, like they've like slowed down a lot, obviously for very good reasons, because Mm -hmm. there's like a three year plan of how all these going to book, all these books are going to play out. So of course, like things are going to like pump, pump, pump the brakes majorly. And that's fine. And I, and I like understand sort of like the, the rationale and the reason for that. Um, I liked that, like something sort of like big and exciting happened to this. And like, we're going to build that out from here. And I was like really interested in how like this played out in like other issues after it, which was kind of cool. Um, although like that's, I'm supposed to be judging the issue on its own. Um, I, I think it was kind of <laughs> wonky. This was one that I read it and I was like, I was like, this was not like a wonderful first issue, but like I'm, this was one that I, that I read it and I was like, I'm really excited about where this is going and like what is going to happen next, which was different for me than like when I read some of the other books. Um, And I thought it was really cool. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Elias, what did you think about, about X-Force? I think Mm. it didn't go slow enough. (laughs) Uh, which I think is going to be uh, a bit of a surprise to Jake because there were times in this book where it slows down and we've got four pages of uh, uh, Beast and uh, Logan bonding over being attacked. (laughs) But I I think it was racing towards Mm -hmm. the reveal at the end, uh, just trying to get there in one issue. I think that was I think that's its major problem that it was it had to accomplish certain story beats and didn't give enough time for the rest to build up. I don't think that this event should have happened in the first wave oh, or, or I, the first yeah. few books. I think it should have happened yeah. two or three issues in. Uh and yeah, I'm just not super into any I'm not super into the team uh cuz we don't really know them yet uh and I don't I, I don't think that the book did a good job of establishing why we should uh, care. It did a very good job of establishing why these characters now, but not a, not such a great job of, well, why is this? Or maybe it, was, it wasn't doing such a great job of creating the team, but it was doing a good job of showing, well, why is this team now hmm. going to form? Um, and what are they going to do? They're kind of, this is the paramilitary book. Whereas Marauders is like pirates and X-Men is weird, uh, you know, sci-fi Hickman verse. Um, Deadbeat Dad. (laughs) Deadbeat Dad, the X-Men edition. And New Mutants is the the spacefaring adventure, which totally didn't expect. And we will get to that later. Uh, I don't think we actually agree that much, though. Disagree, I mean, Elias. I think we totally agree. Because I would, I, if the entire issue was just Wolverine and Beast, like, frolicking in the woods, hunting beasts and having a conversation, that could have been a rad issue. It was just, um, yeah. it wasn't that it was too slow. It was just, like, une- it would, it would uh, speed up at parts to get to a, a conclusion, and then it would linger. And I'm like, um, is this going somewhere? And then I didn't understand, like, um, why did we have four pages of the Marauders who never get named just, like, saying military jargon and suiting up? Why couldn't that have just been a couple of panels? 
but I don't think like um and Jean was like uh Jean and her journey and her as a leader was definitely somewhat communicated in the issue. So when they pick up on that and that's like what it's gonna be about, that's a great story. But because the last panel was Xavier's bloody helmet, um it just was unclear why the what the stakes yeah. were. That was a well composed oh, page, page though. I really do like uh what was his face? What's his face? Uh Kassara, Kassara and White. They did a great job of framing that page. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I want, yeah, immediately I was like, well, crap, I got to pick up with issue two because I got to figure out who done it and like how the the CIA is going to go topple their government. Um, so, you know, yeah, the whole, whole thing. Um, okay, Elias, we're back to you with your number three, which I think you already accidentally spoiled, but go ahead. Uh, no, I, I just messed it up because it had been a while, so I needed a refresher. Um, <laughs> I'm actually putting Marauders at number three. Okay. Are we going to talk about it? Marauders? Oh, I... is, that, is that the highest on the list? Certainly not. Okay. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I, I figured as much. Yeah, but... yeah. All right, Jake, what is your number three? My number three is Excalibur. Okay, we'll talk about that. I know. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh my number three my number three is fallen angels and i think all right we'll talk about it let's do Um, it let's do it so elias you had fallen angels at your number six so go ahead you take it away so fallen angels is one of those issues that i think it was just this combination of all the things i don't like just like in general like like likes in general like you know you don't like like peanuts Uh, or like fun or whatever and you're well, like aesthetics aesthetic aesthetically i really don't like kadransky's art in this issue okay. uh the the digi paint look yeah, i don't know i don't know it just there are panels where it all just falls apart and looks kind of ugly not muddy like everything is very clear mm-hmm. um but really stiff and it's like someone cgi took a cgi model and just kind of pasted it on there yeah um but the the pay and the and this is something that I noticed in his Punisher run too, uh, just the the way panel borders are made, they're really artful and and kind of interesting in how they reflect the environments, but they're really distracting from the art itself uh, at, at times, Aww. and it feels like the people in it are being swallowed, hmm. and I don't know, and just that they're. they're a lot of the characters feel they all talk the same. They all sound the same. I don't know. I don't feel the connections between them. And what one of the other things that I know is very it was an intentional choice, uh, and I I appreciate that this was the choice and it fits the themes. But uh, the claustrophobia of all of these panels, which re- kept really close on on characters and faces and a lot of mouths and noses and eyes, uh, I just feel like it didn't serve the story well enough. And then there's that line from uh, 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 Laura, which you know Hill has copped to being a pretty pretty crappy line, but uh, I think that kind of gets to to my to my issue with a lot of this is the characters don't really feel defined. They don't feel like, I don't really know who who they are um, in relation to themselves. It's always in relation to men. There is a boy, and we killed him. It is to Logan. It is. Um, and I don't think we're getting enough of, I will probably get this in the future, but uh, the wrestling with Psylocke and Betsy Braddock now being two separate bodies again, 
and 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 Psylocke be taking on well and then and then there's the naming one thing I, re- I really did like was and this is kind of across all the books is the approach to names uh and how what and wrestling with what do names mean for us what power do names have so here Quanon takes on Psylocke and says no I am Psylocke now that's my name uh I am not Quanon which is kind of interesting it's like you'd you'd think it would be the other way around and i think Mm, the exploration of that is going to be one of the driving forces of the book and that's what i'm really excited for but i could care less about this butterfly murder child tech virus soup i just don't care about that and the girl in that one panel looks like she suddenly turned into an 80 year old man with bleeding eyes Uh, I, i think that's kind of where it lost me which is on page four so that I think that shows why I didn't particularly like it. Discuss. Okay. All right. Um, well, I for one thought, especially when you compare it to something like X Force, um, I thought it was a lot more successful as a comic issue. Um, it didn't have that sloppiness. I, I like. I, I I thought it had its goals set out, and um, I understand where that digital art isn't to everybody's taste. But I think it's cool and experimental. I think there's going to be more and more of it as we move forward, and it's cool to be on the cutting edge of that. Um, <laughs> I was just looking back at X Force from around 2007, I think 2008, the Kyle Yost run, uh, Craig Kyle and um and Chris Yost, and it, it has similar mm-hmm. digital art like that, but it's bad because it's 10 years ago and people really didn't know how to do it and so i think that that uh that through line is really interesting that it's calling back to a, a, t- a book with a similar tone and like a similar premise um and having a similar art style but so much more refined and i'm just excited to see where this digital style is going to go in like 10 more years um i thought that that claustrophobia you're talking about really did serve the themes of the book because i think that these are all characters who are really objectified and by slicing them up oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't think it it failed to uphold the themes of the book i just feel like the way it was executed felt i didn't like that claustrophobic feel and and it kind of did a disservice to to the propulsion of the narrative uh i think it was just i don't know i think it was handled sloppily. Um, i i get that uh you seem like you have a lot you want to say about this one this part of uh, this aspect of the book kevin <laughs> no i like i i agree with you you're saying jake and uh and i like absolutely think that the sort of like the close-ups and like the eyes and the mouths and, and all this other stuff. Like I kind of loved that. And I, I loved those like small panels in this book, especially because X-Men flagship book has like Leno you writing it who like doesn't know how to draw eyes and whose characters like kind of look like, like stilted figures all the time or whatever. And so I really appreciated like all the panels that are kind of like small, like eye ticks, or like like changes of like an expression and all that because uh, like I think that that really fits here in this particular um, series and this and this issue which is a lot about sort of like this outcast nature and like all these sort of like moody um, dark colors and like blacks and shadows and all this other stuff and and I think it it really works for me in a way that it sounds like it didn't work for you. Mm-hmm. I. I guess I, I did put it pretty low on my list, though, and I think the reason I did was um, yeah. I did like the artwork. Okay, this is the one – this is the most challenging book for me for a couple of reasons. Um, I I liked the artwork a lot. I thought I thought it was interesting. I um, – I, when I first read the issue, I thought it was I was pretty excited by it, and I was I was think I was really chewing on it. And then a couple days later, um, Twitter got at it, and a lot of people were pointing out a lot of um, sexist stuff 
that didn't hit me on the first read. And once it was pointed out to me, I was just like, well, I need to sit with myself and, uh, and my biases and my experiences for a little while. And, um, and I, that just like, um, it really, it's been challenging me for that way, especially because Laura Kinney is probably one of my three favorite X-Men. And I, I don't know. And I, I'm optimistic that there's gonna, she's going to get her, her due. But at this first issue, like Elias was saying, didn't do her a lot of favors. But overall, the reason why it's the lowest for me, besides the uh, questionable uh, gender politics of like giving um, Psylocke a, a baby that got taken from her and she's being controlled by all these men and how that's kind of played out, is just um, it feels like the most traditional book. Like we like um, everything else, you really feel like only Hoxpox could allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. And this could have been an X-Men book 10 years ago. This could have been an X-Men book 30 years ago. It just is like. The X-Men are fighting a villain, and it's weird, and the villain could have been made up by Warren Ellis in 1999. No, he had a style. Uh, yeah. and that's not a knock on Warren Ellis, but I. the other thing that I'm just noticing quickly glancing through this, because I'm like, where where is Laura uh, on the page? And I can't pinpoint her uh, other than those panels, and that's kind of yeah. worrying to me about the art. This happens sometimes, but I don't know who's who. I sort you can you can pinpoint where Psylocke is because she's the you know the the front character and uh, Nathan Summers has a very distinct look, uh, but everyone else kind of doesn't really have that distinct visual because they're always so coded in these shadows and they don't they're not given defined features di- from each other and that kind of bothers me. Yeah, I will. I I did I did maybe have some of those moments like reading this book and. Um, I will say like reading like Kadransky on Fallen Angels as opposed to like reading Kadransky because he's been doing some uh, action comics mm-hmm. issues over at DC. Like this is way, way better Kadransky mm-hmm. than that Kadransky, um, in my opinion. It, it leans but, more into the aesthetic that he's good at. I thought this issue was kind of odd, like like both like both y'all were saying. I think think i liked it for those reasons too and i think i would i think i would disagree with you jake saying that like some of the other issues like i do think that some of the other books needed hoxpox to happen i think that like this book like definitely needed hoxpox to happen and i perhaps would disagree with the people on twitter who are saying that like this book is sort of detracts from like laura's story thing because i love so i loved like tom taylor's like all new wolverine Mm -hmm um like run like absolutely like one of like my favorite like marvelly things that i've read in a long time and like x-men red mm. um and i think like for the tone that all of the like dawn of x stuff is taking that laura's attitude that like okay we're all we're all gonna be in paradise now and the like the fact that like she was like really really important for a good number of years and maybe that's like three weeks in the Marvel universe. I don't know. And like now is like sort of like, oh, well, everybody's in paradise and everyone's equal. But she's like, I got to be Wolverine. And now like Logan's like back being like, like daddy fuck boy and like the Summers family. <laughs> He's like got like a major sort of like probably like a major role in like this government structure. Um, like he's like kind of doing his own thing with this new family. And she's still like a clone hanging out on this island. And like she's in paradise and. And it's supposed to be, I don't know, this sense of, right, but I was Wolverine. And now I just am supposed to be like a mutant like everyone else who like doesn't get to like, like be in like the CIA or like get to be like doing this. I'm just supposed to like relax and like 
crack open a beer and just like sit and be happy. And I feel like she's a character that like is like less comfortable with that, like less comfortable with the sense of like, I'm in paradise. That means that I can just relax now. And so like for that reason, that line about her wanting to like step out of Logan's shadow, like didn't hit me as much as maybe it hit the people on Twitter because it, it made sense to me in so far as like Logan's back and he has an important role in Krakoa and Laura's in Krakoa and like, doesn't mm. have that. That's actually, I think that's a really good reading. I actually, I wrote something similar in the upcoming mutant diversity uh, entry about that issue mm. is that um, that's a more generous read of that line. But then uh, Hill went and kind of redacted it. And he was like, my bad. So yeah, I'm I guessing think it was, yeah. it was within the placement of the issue because there was nothing to indicate that she was dissatisfied with Logan specifically as set up by here, by, by Hawksbox, by any of her series Um I think I think the work wasn't done to to earn that reading, which is why he might have walked back the line. Um, but I, I see what you mean by because she has all this talk about how safety sucks and 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 kind of the the uh, idyllic nature of it, but more of the that's this isn't something that motivates her, uh, especially after her recent adventures. But I do think that yeah the issue does Laura a bit of a disservice by tearing her away, which might also be because of the new status quo, but it tears her away from Gabby. It tears her away from, from the life that she had lived. And she already, and the reason I take umbrage with the line, uh, in addition to, to some of the other stuff was because she had moved out of Logan's shadow. She, she found who she was and she redefined herself by herself, by her relation to, to Gabby, but to, to her friends, uh, and to her new life. Um, and, her beef was more with the the Weapon X program and all the things that that stood for, and not really Logan himself. I think she's still. I I don't think she she would be. I don't think that would, that would be what was motivating her to leave and to go on this. I think it would be more with the general dissatisfaction of oh everything's so quiet and and easygoing and that's not for me. I need to be the person on the lines protecting everyone else so that it can remain this idyllic landscape why she sends cable back she she says no 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 no. he deserves this and i got i still got stuff to work through yeah and 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 i think the thing that i would say to that is like logan epitomizes like exactly kind of what you're saying like logan has it all in this world now like he's got gene he's got cyclops and they're like literally frolicking and hustling Yeah, he's like hanging out with kids and like boning a lot. And like Kate's like getting him going on beer runs for him. Like everything's great for him. And and like Laura doesn't have that. And I don't know where Gabby is in this world. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be really I'm going to be really sad if that's not touched on at all. I think like I I think like the idea of this book is one that I'm like really maybe excited about it, and that's why like i like this issue more and i and going back also mm. elias to the like i love all of kadransky's like weird panel layout stuff like i think that's fun um but i like like the idea oh, I, I i like it it's fine like it's, it's fine uh <laughs> i was gonna say i hurt you I'm no sorry. it's cool it's cool it's cool it's cool uh i think like the idea of like who's left out when you get to paradise like i think that's like really really fun and I think a lot of that is like mm-hmm. played through in this issue. And I think it's like played def- like through like with Psylocke. And I, I like, I like that for it, but I, like, I, I think I understand like some of the hangup. Um, okay. Uh, We're at number two. Wow. Num- number two. Elias. Okay. So I'm putting uh, Excalibur at number two. Okay. We'll talk about that one in a second. Uh, 
<laughs> we will, because I also am, we will. am putting Excalibur we will. at number two. You had it at number three. I've had Exc- oh, I'm sorry. New Mutants. New Mutants I'm putting at number two. Okay. Uh, New Mutants is also my number two, so we can talk about that one. Excellent. Um, you like that art, huh? I do. I love that Rod Rice art. So, okay, so I'll go first. Uh, I don't know who the fuck any of these people are, but... Um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but like, yes, I feel but you. But like, I love this book. It was fun. And like, Rod yes. Rice's art is really cool. And it was like the perfect amount of like silly and also kind of like world building and also like, what are these like weird millennials going to do? And, you know, like <laughs> Paradise and all that stuff. And and I like I like the space things. I think that's kind of cool. And I think it's like setting itself up to be something that is like very like dissonant from the other books. And I kind of like that and was excited about that. Um, so yeah, but I also I don't know like again I haven't read a lot of X Men books. I don't know these characters super well. Sunspot was like running the Avengers like a couple years ago. Yeah, it so like I know. Th- yeah, I don't know. I don't know things. But I thought this was cool. So yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. You want to go, Elias? Sure, because I had it much further down on the list. I think the only reason I put it that far down is because I'm I'm just not not that big a fan of Rod Rice's art. Um, but I think oh. it worked really, really well here. But I normally okay. don't like his art at all. But I think it really works here. That the that really soft line. It's it's not inked at all, as far as I can tell. It's entirely penciled. It's just penciled and then colored in with like colored pencil. I'm not sh- I'm not quite sure how it's colored, but I think it's digital. It's yeah, digital, it's but digital. it's got that re- it's got that soft feel, um, yeah. as opposed yeah. to kind of the really hard uh, computerized colors, which I think mm-hmm. w- which works really well. I- I- Krakoa looks so beautiful yeah. in these pa- in these pages it feels weird. like a- it looks weird yeah. it's alien yeah it looks it looks weird it looks alien but it looks natural mm-hmm. it doesn't look constructed because it is a living island and the island is even though it is constructed it's all uh, like the the jar with the vines around it i i love those little details and even though i put this this book pretty far down I did. I did really enjoy it, but Rod, Rod Rice's art does sometimes. It just kind of bugs me, uh, especially when when character faces kind of just flatten up. But it, it. I know other people have said I haven't read any of the uh, Sankowitz New Mutant stuff, but it reminds me of that art, those covers that I've seen, and I think it's a purposeful echo at times. Uh, well, let me tell you, Elias. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I got one or two more things, and then, then, yeah, you, yeah, can, <laughs> then you can educate us uh, uh, noobs. <laughs> but I think I actually can tell... I, I understand who each of these characters are right away. They're, they're established so well and so distinctly. I think the, I, like I said, the character work, I think, is really good. And I don't really know who these are. Uh, and Rain also doesn't have infinite annoying uh, ticks in her writing that's trying, trying to em- emulate the accent. Um, it just feels far more natural, and the characters kind of come to life because of that. All right, Jake, take it away. Educate me, please. Well, uh, learn me some. Learn. Us. I just want to talk a little bit. Have you have I, about? Uh, have you guys heard of the great works of Mr. Uh, William Sienkiewicz? Oh, that's how you pronounce it. Never mind. I got it wrong. <laughs> I knew. I'm like it's it's. Oh, it's all good. It doesn't have the pronunciation in my head, but. <laughs> well, uh, 
what I love loved about the art in this book is Bill Sienkiewicz is uh, unmistakable. I actually um, I'm looking right now. I have a print of my wall. He did a Spider Verse poster that I got a print of. It's so like. I, I saw it and I was just I, – I couldn't believe – I was just like, who is doing such a perfect Sienkiewicz impersonation? And it was Sienkiewicz because only, only he can be himself. And he's got this like – this influence from like 70s indie comics. You can see a lot of art crumb and these like jaggedy lines. And uh, you could tell that the uh, the early Vertigo guys are all really um, doing this Sienkiewicz thing. You could see him in, um, in McKeon and also um, – who's uh, doing Deadpool right now and is Bacala. an stalwart an artist? Oh, I love Bacala. Bacala. Yeah, Bacala, you could see Sienkiewicz. Yeah, I think Sienkiewicz is a, a big influence throughout all that. It's just like so unmistakable. But what I love is Rod Rice is not doing – he's not doing a cover of it, right? He's like doing his own thing, and he's taking the inspiration, but it's still so his own artwork. And I just – I can't believe how how well he threaded that needle for me, how um, it's it's his own distinct style, and he's paying tribute to the great man without um, being a dim imitation, which could have been so easy to do. And um, – I just like Bravo. Um, I do every week month in Mutantversity. I spotlight one creator who I think did outstanding work, and this month's spotlight is going to be for Rod Rice because I just think that's amazing. Um, and I'm still collecting my thoughts on what I want to say about the artwork. But I also think it's so interesting that you guys reacted so strongly to the book without being familiar with New Mutants because um, I've read a bunch of New Mutants, and this was this is what it's like. This is great. It's just so much fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think the essence of a New Mutant story. The new mutants, like, uh, right, they're like the first new generation of, they're the first students, really, you see at the Xavier Academy. Because the original X-Men graduated by the time they were, like, by issue 12 mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Wolverine and Storm are joining the team, and they're, like, already <laughs> secret agents and goddesses, so they don't need to go to school. And so the new mutants come in, and it's like a school book, and th the whole premise of the book is, like, what if growing up was superhero? So, like, you have a sleepover, but there's an alien invasion, and, like, uh, you go to visit your friend's parents, but they're, they're possessed by demons. And it's just like these really quintessential uh, – you go to a rock concert and you like really fall for the rock musician, but she's intergalactic. So her next concert is going to be on the opposite oh, side of the universe. That's so sad. <laughs> um, well, they, so they, they just like cut school and they follow her around for a while oh, and they okay. become her groupies. That's good. Yeah, but but that's like what New Mutants books are like is they take these like quintessential just like coming of age youth stories and then they filter it through, but they're superheroes. And um, so everything that happens is just like magical and larger than life and cosmic and intergalactic. And it's just like these huge adventures. So now they're doing that, but it's like this early 20s book. And it's like, what happens when your best friend gets married and moves out of town and you just miss him and you want to like take your friends and go visit him? Only it's not out of town. It's the Shi'ar Empire. And, uh, and his wife has an important job because she's the super guardian smasher. Yeah, but it's just like all this like really relatable stuff, just like heightened and filtered yep. through superheroics. And I think that's so rad. I agree. I agree. I thought this was great. I loved it. Even though I don't even, but like, that's like, that's what it felt like. Exactly what you're saying, Jake. Like, it feels sort of like, like, what if you're in your early twenties and like, like the problems of like being an adult and like having friends, but like not being able to like make time for your friends because yeah. work gets away. I think, I think the final two pages encapsulate this book so perfectly because it goes yeah. from kind of that that oh they're all captured and then and then uh i don't actually remember his name the smarmy one uh the lawyer thank you the smarmy one you mean uh chamber uh, is he like, the smarmy i've gotten the number of a really good space lawyer and they've just goth they icon turn the page and it's have legal trouble and it's just a chameleon <laughs> it's uh, uh like that was perfect what I, is the guy? It's from like Al Ewing's Rocket. Al Ewing and Adam, or 
something's wait the space like, lawyer wasn't made up for this guy no 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 no. it was what he's made up he was from the rocket no, series no, he, he's from rocket. uh it's like Blart. Blart. I'm Murdoch trying to remember his name. It's um, right? or... that's amazing. It's like, like yeah, yeah. Merg Blart. So he's supposed or something. to be like you know, like like Daredevil, <laughs> but like in like a chameleon and in space. And it's... I think this book is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I'm just glad that I'm just glad we got this this thing, and I'm glad it also opened with someone leaving the pod with Rain coming back from the pod. Oh my god, that was so beautiful. And then she it's like a baptism for her because she's being reborn and she can like finally let go of all this stuff that's been because she's gone no one's had it worse than Rain Sinclair for the last twenty years of comics. But like on a personal note for me, like I grew up in New York and I live in Ohio now. And like my best friend recently got married and we don't uh, speak to each other. I spoke to him today a little bit, but not as much as I would like. And just like that you're growing older, you're drifting apart thing. And then like how fun would it be if you get to go mm-hmm. on a wacky yeah. road trip and visit your friends? Only only instead of stopping at a gas station and then like getting mad at some MAGA douche bros, it's like a bunch of yeah. four-armed religious zealots at the end of the universe. Amazing. Okay. Number ones. And they're all going to be different. Uh, so, Elias, go ahead. What is your number one? Well, by process of elimination, it is X-Men number one. <laughs> it is X-Men number one. Um, all right. Talk about it. Talk about why it's it's your it's your numero uno. Well, I think the the reason why I put X-Men number one is I really Hickman's hard sci-fi approach to what is ostensibly a fantasy series. Just I absolutely love that. I love all of the, the twists and the turns and the conspiracies and, and the, the, I don't know. It's just, it just feels like a book that's going to be big and grand and tell lots of large stories while also telling these very intimate character studies of all these powerful characters that were around it is a bit of a sausage fest uh it's very focused on on scott summers at the moment and uh lemlo yu's art can be well i'm sure you guys will talk more about that i think i think it fit the aesthetic really well uh that that kind of that grittier uh dirtier look to the world i know I, as opposed to kudransky i kind of like the the way lou uh lou makes or you makes the makes his expressions they're very reserved but i don't know that there, there's that's there's there's a bit of a subtlety to them that i don't see in the, in in some of the other books uh and it complements kind of the understated hickman writing but this feels like the big bombastic central book that's you know kind of important to have. Totally, uh, Kevin. Wait, what? What did you? Where did you have this on your list? I had it number five. So I think it's really telling that the thing that people were talking most about this book was the design page that Muller did with the bedrooms. <laughs> um, I forgot. I didn't even mention that. Yeah, and and I think that that has less to do with the issue itself and more to do with like teases from house of X and stuff. And I think like for yeah. that reason, like I, and also thought like use art. I really, I love Pepe Larraz and RB Silva. And I would have loved if one of them could have continued to work on, on the flagship book. And I understand like, mm-hmm. that's not how art, you know, works. Cause like it takes time <laughs> to draw things. Uh, but, but I was like really hoping for like that same style. And like you absolutely didn't deliver that for me. And so it was sort of like a 
weird disconnect between what we had just gotten and like this thing and so i think like for a lot of like for that reason mainly like that's why it's lower now i think it'll like move up because it's like hickman writing um i think you was only on for the first like three or four issues and then it looks like rb silva's coming back on some other people are gonna come first three i think okay and i hope issue four is um we're moving away from cyclops with issue four right okay and so like i'd be fine if you didn't ever come back uh because like i love i love sort of that like um that like dynamic like active sort of like digital whatever that laura and silva do i think i think i don't know like i also just it like slowed down a lot i know it's like setting up sort of like what is going to be a main conflict i really think i really think it was mostly like use art i did i love the issue but i think i mean i I do think it's like really telling that like the thing that people were talking about was this thing that was set up in house of X and then was like continued to be teased and this issue. And then an X-Men number two um, about like the polyamory. And like, that's just sort of like pure Hickman nonsense built on X-Men mythology stuff that like is portrayed in the issue some by you, but is really only sort of like pinpointed in the design pages, which all the design page sat out to Tom Muller. Like they've all been wonderful. Um, and so I think like for that reason, like that's why it's lower. Cause like, that's really, really cool in and of itself. And like, I think that that's like awesome and funny that like we have this love triangle. That's not a triangle anymore. It's just like, is what it is. But like, that's not enough for me to like, there were other things and other issues that were like cooler and were like story things. Um, but that's where mm-hmm. that's, that was, that's what I thought about. I, I definitely agree with you about, um, I like when you draws like monsters and stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought his issue two was really good, but I, I just thought that, that the domestic stuff he was kind of poorly suited for. I, I I'm trying to I'm trying to find the words, but I I um, do think that Kevin that you're kind of underselling that chart. I don't think that was a gag. I think that's really at the essence of what the book's about right now. No, I I'm not selling it as like a gag. Like I think like that is like what this book is going to be going forward. It's going to be about like it's going to be a lot about the Summers family, and I and I think that that's wonderful. I'm saying that like that chart and sort of like the relationship relationship stuff was like was more Hickman than it was you and was like Hickman and Muller than it was like you and so like I yeah I, that I agree with I think yeah. that Muller did some heavy lifting with the storytelling because I think that's like a key story moment that's uh, right. revealed through charts which right. is like a plus Hickman movie loves doing that yeah but it's I I don't think this is going to be the summer's book at all because um. The first three issues are like a little Cyclops trilogy, but issue four, it sounds like it's going to be all Storm, like a Storm solo story. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's supposed to turn into an anthology where every issue is like a one-off about a different character somewhere in the mutant universe. I'm super down for that. <laughs> that's yeah. my understanding. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to do the book because like, um, I forget, um, Dr. Um, Dr. Reyes, Cecilia Reyes shows up in X-Force number one. She's a super fascinating character who was like an in-the-closet mutant, and now she's suddenly out and living on Krakoa, and we didn't see that process. And like, there's a whole story there about how her life changed. I just like, I love the anthology book, and but that's hard to to feel in the in one issue, which is one of the reasons why it wasn't higher. In addition to the the use art being a poor fit. Yeah. But I thought that um, after the like frenetic freight train pace of um of Hoxpox, I loved that we got an issue that was mostly a dinner scene where just everyone got to talk about how they feel about all these momentous things. Because my big criticism of Marvel every year is that they have these great ideas and then they immediately change the status quo and they never give it time to sit and to tell stories in the worlds that they're creating. Yeah. So Jake, what was your number one? Go ahead. My number one with a bullet. And when I say bullet, I mean a giant bullet, the kind you can get stuck in for years and years as you uh, (laughs) phase it through the earth. 
is Marauders. Lovely, lovely. We'll talk about it. Go ahead. Um, do I have to start? I would love for you to start and say nice things about it before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should do the opposite. No, I kind of want to hear what you guys is um what you guys issues with the book is, and then I okay. want to sell you. On I it. um I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't hate the first issue. I just thought it was odd. I didn't think it was that funny. I don't love Jerry Duggan a lot. Most of his stuff I kind of shy away from. I also don't have like a super mm. big attachment to like uh, like Kitty or like Kate Pride, and so like that's part of it. Even even though like she's front and center, I thought it was like I thought it was like competent. It was very much a like switch for me from sort of the seriousness and the like direness and the like philosophical undertones and all that stuff of house of X and powers of 10 to switch into this. But I think I remember reading it the first time and I was kind of like, Oh, this is not what I wanted from this universe. I kind of wanted the seriousness. And a lot of that like shattered when I read new mutants number one and really loved it because it's very much like comedic and sincere and all of that stuff. There was just something about the way that Marauders number one started. That was kind of like off and like, it just like parts of it seemed kind of, forced and and odd and maybe and probably a lot of that is is i have less of a familiarity with the x-men than than other people do but i didn't love it and it was and i it's definitely like my least favorite of the few and and when i read the second issue i might have different feelings but i haven't done that yet you're definitely gonna have to write to me i want to when you read that second issue but elias uh that wasn't technical (laughs) difficulties that was me (laughs) I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was, I, I'm excited for a lot of the high seas adventure and the mystery, the, the mystery surrounding Kate. Like why, why can't she go through what, why does Krakoa hate her so much? I'm excited to, to get to those things. And I think one of the problems with Murata's number one is it doesn't start to get to any of that. It does a lot of the things that, uh, x-force does in that it's laying out a lot of different threads and a lot of different motion i think it does a much better job of pacing it and setting it up and producing in a logical way but because of that it's a little bit dry uh and i i like the humor a lot more than you did kevin uh it's i love i love lockheed (laughs) lockheed is my favorite um he's so much fun yeah i i think a lot some of the the comedy Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I wanted to see more piracy. I wanted to see more of the the antics and and the the craziness. And instead, we kind of get some some more traditional, uh, just X Men battles. Even though Kate gets to do a lot of super awesome things, I don't know. There's just something about this first issue that that both connected and didn't. Uh, and so that's why I'm a little little am, am, ambivalent on it. But I had a lot of fun. I, it's weird. I didn't have as much fun as New Mutants. I'm I'm I think I'm just as excited to see what comes next but I do and this this was something that I saw going around a lot uh think that and I don't know if this this would be I think it's important to to at least address is, is the is storm is her visuals because I know there there was that whole discussion of well how is she being presented how has she been presented over the time visually uh, especially in that in that panel near the end where it's kind of low light and in it 
doesn't feel like she was lit correctly by the colorist and instead was 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 kind of whitewashed um which isn't helped by lolly's kind of softer uh approach to faces uh and i that that kind of that's something that's kind of running in the back of my head i think they they didn't they didn't really consider that. I don't think they, they thought that that part through. And I don't think it was necessarily at the, the front of their, their heads. And I think it's a valid criticism to be like, hey, try to fix this for future issues um, and be, be cognizant that this has been a problem with, with uh, characters who traditionally had much darker skin and much more, much, much less Caucasian features like Storm, Storm. But Storm's been portrayed with varying levels of it. I think there was, a, there was an article about this. I think those those were some of my, my problems with this first issue, but give me more of that good, <laughs> yeah, good piracy. Yeah, I, I want to echo that also, that yeah. um, I someone said this to me really uh, eloquently recently, but uh, col- uh, coloring and coloring skin in comics for colorists is like a huge problem, and it's only going to get fixed if people mention it every time they see it and just keep on saying it until it, you can't ignore it. So I just want to echo that sentiment that it, miscoloring is like, uh, it usually doesn't happen maliciously, it's usually a mistake, but it's fucking terrible and hopefully uh that gets fixed on the uh by the time the, the trade gets printed oh i was thinking even just in future issues if if it's already in production there's not much they could do about it but definitely to to try and work towards that i love the sinister ste- secrets that part that part was fun and again muller muller steals the show uh but i think dugan really really worked well with with uh muller in those those interludes be like here's pirate kate and it's going to be or and logan's list give me some ribs i loved that i loved these i think this is really what dawn of x is defined by is muller's interludes that are you know then informed by the writer but these things make these books um (laughs) well i had this book at number one you did go ahead yeah and uh, having having just heard uh, you guys' criticism, I don't think I'm going to turn you guys <laughs> into number ones. But I think I can move Kevin from number six right, a little right. bit higher. All right. So um, the, the one the one thing you said, and I think that's like a really fair thing, is just that uh, Duggan has like, I don't know, kind of like a – it's a little impish, but it's a little carnival barker. He's kind of got this like yeah. old man sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I, by old I, – I feel – bad that old man but like he definitely seems like uh he got his writing chops when like ren and stimpy was coming out that's like his that's the level of humor i'm getting from Duggan. he's a comic by trade yeah and he's well but uh he's got a style and if if, so if his comedic stylings aren't uh your favorite thing i don't think um that's gonna trade change but one thing that you said uh kevin is you you said there was a competency to the book and um, where you see competency, I see mastery. I think that Duggan is so good at everything that were my criticisms about X-Force is what Duggan it just uh, soars at. Like um, one of my least favorite Marvel books of the last uh, 15 years was Jeff Loeb's first mm-hmm. six issues of Nova mm-hmm. with the first Sam Alexander arc. And then Duggan took over that book and it was became one of my favorites. Just um, he, I, I love his, uh, his whimsical mm-hmm. superhero adventure feel and um i and i think he, he the dude makes a good comic so right away we get the hook where um she's in central park she's trying to walk through the gate and she breaks her nose and uh and jaw my jaw just dropped i was just like um because we knew for months from the solicits that her nose was broken but we figured she got into like a drunken pirate fight and we didn't realize that there was this whole deeper mystery that kind of triggers the whole story and i like that that's obviously way down the line of we're going to solve that is kate not a mutant is um somebody blocking kate is moira worried that because of kate's phasing power she can discover the no place and unravel the entire plan like there's so many cool hooks of where that can go and i love that right away but um and then i i liked i liked 
the fun of it. I like the the funniness. But what I really liked, and the, the reason why I, I think that Kate Pride, Catherine and Pride, is the most important X-Men character for a bunch of reasons. Um, she's like the first ex-kid who joins the team. She joins when she's 13. But I think we've had this really weird problem for the last like 10 years where everybody who is writing Kitty, now Kate, is like a 40 to 50 year old dude who had a crush on her when they were 13 at the same time. And now they're 40 and she's 20 and they still really want to fuck her. And they're trying to like reconcile that. I feel like that's everyone who's written her in the last 10 years. (laughs) Every Kate story is um, she gets engaged to some loser guy who's like way below her. And then she frets about it. And then she breaks up with him. This has happened twice in 10 years. That's too many times. That's too many engagements. That's that's too many. Yeah. She's been engaged. Gold. Uh, that happened once at X-Men Gold with Colossus, and it happened in Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy with oh, uh, Star-Lord right. under Bendis. Oh, yeah. Why, why did that even happen? Um, because Bendis has weird latent kitty feelings that he's processing. Love him to death. <laughs> well, and, and more yeah. than that, like uh, when you're 13 in the 70s and Kate really loves Ridley Scott's Alien, and she goes to the mall to buy computer parts because she's building a PC in 1977. Just like, I get that. I get why if you're in the 70s and this is the representation you're seeing, um, why she'd be so meaningful to you. But that's like about you and your relationship with her and not about who the character is. And and who's Kate Pride? She's a messy bitch who lives for drama. <laughs> here's, so here's this girl. And from the time she's 13, she's raised by who are her three parental figures? They're Wolverine, Storm, and Nightcrawler. This this is not a person who's going to turn out to be like a normal, well-balanced adult who can like get a job in accounting or something, right? This is going to be like like Wolverine and Storm are your parents. You're going to be a crazy person. Yeah. And then um, when Jason Aaron was writing her, she becomes the headmistress of the school, and she's Professor K, and she's all responsible. While like Logan and Storm are getting it on in the basement and the showers, having like steamy, steamy sex. And Kate's just like, what, balancing budgets and like calling the school board? Fuck that. That's not what Kate's all about. Kate is a ninja who went to a boarding school and beat up all the bullies because that's what she knew it to do and she's just like a this crazy renegade who should be freaking out and here's this book that i just love how it captured um her fucking attitude that she should absolutely have and she's at the end of her rope and i also love that she's cultivated she's a really good nice person and she's got all these wonderful relationships like with storm and iceman and her relationship with iceman i thought was written so beautifully by cena grace and it got picked up on here in a way that i really loved where um I, Kate really had feelings for him in a way that he didn't reciprocate, but they've since reconciled that and had a really beautiful friendship. And I started to see the uh, the buds of that. I love that Pyro got thrown in randomly because I don't give a shit about Pyro, and I'm like ready to be to have my mind changed. But then the scene that I just that made this number one issue my number one was the fight she had when she went to Russia, because I read a lot of superhero books, I read a lot of Marvel books, I read a lot of fight scenes month to month in comics, and how many times do you like remember the specifics of a superhero fight scene? Almost never. Almost never, right? Um, and I feel like, again, I feel like I'm talking shit about Bendis. I love Bendis, I think he's a genius, and um, has done some of the best and worst work I've ever read in comics, and I want to read his unauthorized biography one day. But ben, ben, <laughs> Bendis fight scenes are the fun. worst. Do you remember at all the events? It's just like a splash page of everybody in one cool heroic shot, and you get no sense of motion or stakes or or uh, environment. There were fights in Civil War too. I don't remember. <laughs> but in that first issue of Marauders, I can recite to you beat for beat every move that Kate does in that fight scene. And all of it was like um, advanced the story, the characterization, and um, the themes of the book, where just like her rage at uh, the way mutants are being treated and how um, she doesn't have to kill these guys, but like she's a pirate. She's going to fuck them up because they're like committing war crimes. And um, 
and just the the competency and the power that you're feeling from this superheroic being and seeing like how terrifying this one skilled trained person with abilities that normal people wouldn't have would be in this like military situation i thought that came across so well and like you see how formidable she is and that's the thing is i feel like all this uh, making kate this accountant who doesn't have sex while all her parents are getting it on has really just been stripping her of her power and it's just been like an embarrassment after embarrassment all of her cool adult mentors are putting her in, in positions of responsibility while they get to be the renegades and it's never been fair and finally she's allowed to feel things and she's allowed to be this like passionate messy fuck up of a person and i'm like so here for it i think that's the themes of x-men and that's why she's the most important character and she's just like capturing it and she phased a gun into two guys' legs and that fucking rules <laughs> bravo now that's like i i can't disagree with that because i i don't think that i have that like that same history with the character i thought all of like those beats were i thought the fight scene was really really cool i like definitely agree with that i just think i was expecting something different from this book like i was expecting something like a little bit more serious and that's not what i got and like i want to keep reading like i'm excited to keep reading but i like didn't i didn't love this versus you very much but like like you i think like your level of excitement has like made me want to read like i i will give i will give issue two like a a better like a better a better shake than i think that i would have perhaps going i and i get being jarred i too was like a it was such a yeah. whiplash from yeah. the tone of hox pox to this like jerry oh, duggan whimsy yeah. i i get the the it not being what you expected and it was yeah. the first one right in an x-men um and an x-men was similar in tone to hox pox I get being jarred and it not being what you expected, but just um, I feel like I know that Duggan's another similarly aged, similarly demographic guy to the people who I was just complaining about and how they were writing yeah. Kate in the past. Um, but I really think he's approaching her from this like position of empathy and understanding. It's not about his relationship with the character because he knows he's not in the story. It's about the character and her relationship with the world that she's in. Mm -hmm. And like, I think she's such an important character that he put her front and center in the silly pirate book. Just, oh my God, <laughs> I'm high-fiving a million angels right now. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Last but not least, uh, my number one was Excalibur uh, in case that wasn't already, already clear. And y'all both had it pretty high on your lists which is exciting and i feel justified rules excalibur rules. rules um elias we'll go with you go ahead talk about excalibur some well uh, it's a dense issue a mm, lot yeah. happens i mean a lot happens in all of these but this one feels like the most occurred uh because this also introducing us to to camelot and morgan mm -hmm. lefay and and playing with well what happens if a krakoan portal doesn't open to another place in our space but instead to a different space because we already we already have the no place or whatever the hell that means but now we have a portal that's confirmed to be going to camelot which is a source of magic mm -hmm. in this world which i don't think any of the x-books really deal with and so now we've got you know all this magic and shit it's it's such an interestingly layered book it reads and it feels like more like what x-men would have been but a fan but or fantasy x-men yeah. uh from, from of the hawkspox variety teeny howard channels hickman here uh she makes it her own but in in the 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 vocalization and the characterization in, in the even in the uh, what are they the Tom Muller segments, they read like Hickman wrote them. Oh, uh, these are the best. This is the best Muller work in Excalibur of all the yeah. other books. Yeah, I kind of I, I love that. It's it's so interesting. <laughs> but I'm I'm intrigued. I really want to see where it goes from here. 
what's next and why the hell there's this portal that showed up on Camelot. This was, as far as I know, this wasn't shown in the first issue of, of House of X. We still haven't followed up on the Mars yeah. one, but here's this new door. It's adding a, another kind of twist and to, to paradise. It's like, well, this door doesn't want to open because there's magic people preventing you from going through. Maybe this has to do with why uh, Kate can't go through. There's some, some magical reason instead of uh, you know, a physical one. So I, I have two more thoughts. One is I just love the way Apocalypse keeps correcting everyone. Yes. He's like, no, 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 no. This is my name now. Uh, and it's just A. But obviously in, uh, in whatever. In Kirkcohen, going, you know, yeah. Kirkcohen, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, in Kirkcohen. <laughs> Uh, and it kind of it goes back to that theme of names mm-hmm. and naming, which has always kind of been important with uh, X-Men books, but has been made more central uh, in the Dawn of X ones. Um, well, Kevin, do you want to do you want to go last because it's your favorite? No, I can I can go. I I love this book a lot. I think I would disagree. Maybe lies. I think this is like Teeny Howard doing Teeny Howard. Word, hundred percent. I wanted to say that, yeah. and I'm glad you did. Um, like I think. <laughs> No, no, I don't. I didn't mean to kind of undercut undercut her writing, but I mean like no, I think I, I mean think she was channeling the best parts of Hawksbox. Sure, I think like tonally, this book is perhaps like the most similar to House of X and Powers of Ten, maybe. But I think like it's like it's like Howard all the way, and I I loved it for that. Howard's a legend. Howard's a fucking legend. I think so. Yeah, I think like for me personally, and this is this is maybe like controversial, or whatever. I think this is the book that takes like the like the best use of like the new status quo of Krakoa. Like I feel like this is the book that like takes serious like takes seriously the most the mutant laws and like everybody like being on Krakoa and like people like being like people who are like not sort of like the main cast of like House of X and Powers of Ten being on Krakoa. And I get that like Marauders like was very much set up by House of X and Powers of Ten and is sort of the like the Emma Frost black market East India trading company sort of like part. And like I get that. Like it's fine. I, but I think like of sort of like the status quo and people being on Kokoa, like this is the one that like takes like the most advantage of that. Like like Rogue and Gambit are talking about like maybe like starting a family. Um, like Apocalypse is here and like still trying to like guide people, even though like people are like not trustworthy of him. Like I think it like Gold Balls changes his name. I think like this sort of like takes advantage and picks up on like a lot of the threads of like House of X and Powers of Ten and does it in a way that um, that I feel like the other books perhaps haven't done. Like I feel like this is just like House of X and Powers of Ten was like is additive this does the best job of like taking advantage of all the different parts of house of X and powers of 10 that I liked and like throws in some magic, which like I'm always down for, like you were saying a lot about like the Mueller pages. Like I think the data pages in this one, like are really, really great. The grimoire pages. Yes. I don't know. Like this was like, I read this book and I was like, this is it. I love this. And I reread it again. And I, and like, I don't, I don't know a lot about, um, like the original Excalibur runs and about like Captain Britain as a character, but that didn't matter to me in the same way that I didn't know a lot about the X-Men before reading House of X and Powers of 10, because this was just like a fun ride and I really enjoyed it. That's rad. I, this is not similar to uh, a lot of Captain Britain stuff. This is very different already. I feel like this issue was like a dream I had. It's so weird, right? It's got this like dreamlike quality to it. Yeah, it does. Which like a lot of Krakoa does too. in like the sense that it's like trying to be utopic. 
Yeah, people were like creeped out by it, which I I love that barometer. I feel like that um that tells you about your family history and your history with the religion, how you reacted to that Krakoa ritual when the the, the resurrection ritual. Because I thought it was really beautiful, and some people were really repulsed by it. And I was like, I feel like this tells me if you were raised in an uncomfortably religious household or like a chill household. I'm like, this is fine. This is just like how rituals go. Like, there's weird parts, and that's whatever. Yeah. I, yeah, Tinny Howard's a fucking legend. The Tom Muller charts are unparalleled. Um, I really like the artwork. I, I guess a theme I'm noticing on my list of like the spectrum is that my lowest thing I thought was like the messiest plotting and my, my number one Marauders I thought was the most tightly plotted. And Excalibur's towards the middle and Excalibur is a little bit, it's like, um, like Elias said, it's really dense. Bloated seems like a, a meaner word than I mean, but there's just like a lot going on and I don't really get how all the, I know the through lines are going to connect and everything. Like what's Jubilee doing here besides that Tini Howard likes her so far? Yeah. I don't really get Jubilee's presence. I, Rogue and Gambit were like interesting to me, but they were kind of a bummer. And I'm, I, you know, I like my Rogue and Gambit to be more fun, but yeah, I guess I can, I can take a change. But there's so many little moments that I loved in this. Like, um, I think my favorite moment of the issue is when uh, Brian is talking about how he's about to like go into danger. He's got to go into other world, and he's it's like the setup for him to be like, and it's too dangerous. Don't follow me. And then he just like kneels and is like, um, and I would be honored if you would fight by my side. I'm like that fucking rules. And the Braddock twins have to go to fight uh, valiantly uh, to the death if necessary. I just thought that was like that was epic, and I love the respect between these siblings who have been through a lot together. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. But some of it's unclear to me and hazy. And I, I think that's because the whole book feels like a dream that like I don't really understand what all the pieces are there. And I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to like there's that whole thing, which was my, my second favorite part of the book about magic circles. But mutants don't have to. They could just stand in an X. Yeah, I don't get that. But I thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with that. Yeah, it's so cool. It's That's like some Constantine shit. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's much easier for mutants to do magic because you only need four of them. But they stand in an X. It's the mutant letter. And humans have to stand in a stupid circle. How many points are in a circle? infinite i guess you can't do magic like i don't know if that's ever gonna play out in the book or if that was just a cool idea she had i don't even care <laughs> it's just awesome but i guess i'm lying i do kind of care because I, I i i don't see where it's going but i trust that it's going somewhere i think that was the part of it that i thought was really cool like i don't see where it's like all the other books kind of have like a plan laid out maybe except for like x-men number mm-hmm. one i have maybe like a theoretical idea where these going where they're going but this i was like this is uncharted territory yeah. In the same way that House of X and Power yeah. of Ten was, and I really like, I really like that. I'm really into that. Yeah, you're right. That's I think that's what you were talking about. It felt the most tonally similar. I think that's the tone, right? Is that um that that feeling of danger, right? Because all the other books feel play kind of safe. In this book, yeah. you don't know what it's, it's if it's going to break your heart. Is it going to stick the landing? Is it going to be a disaster? Is it going to be a masterpiece? And you don't know. And um and it did. Like uh, House of X and Powers of Ten did. And it, so like uh and you trust Tini Howard, and you can see. The, the common themes and maybe this will be the next masterpiece I, I see all that yeah i don't know i was endeared to it i i'm i'm happy with it um i think it's really cool that we all had like a lot of different sort of like picks and like a lot of different ideas about like what this era was going to be like i just think that that's really fun that it seems like there's a lot of different things for a lot of different people coming out of this which is really nice yeah that, that there, there's a book for everyone and that not everyone has to follow all the books something like like the death of xavier does inform some of the other books but it's just the the caption saying oh this happened here it actually feels like the caption helps you go oh if you want more of the backstory of why it happened go to this issue but you don't really need to know why mm-hmm. sometimes other events happen and you're just like why is this narrative caption here or shit we needed that to understand this book but you don't need that here they all kind of work and they inform and they're they feel like 
a shared superhero universe. Like shit's going on in different books at different places. It seems like there's a lot of like really coordination is 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 the right word. Like everybody kind of knows what's going on everywhere, and like things might be taking place in different times, but like there's still a coordinated effort to make everything fit together. Like it feels strategic in a way that is a lot of fun. I just like that there's a superhero comic that's sexy again. I feel like <laughs> Avengers Avengers yeah. are so unsexy. X-Men's where it's at. It's true. Um, well, folks, that is our show. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, the first part of the first Friday of December for our first podcast of that month. I want to thank Elias and Jake for being on again and for talking uh x-men things and for talking other things uh where can folks find you on multiversity or on the larger interwebs uh elias will go with you twitter you know uh, whatever well, you can farmers <laughs> only where can people find you uh you guys can find me you know weekly with the, the web comics weekly uh or writing uh for supergirl and riverdale riverdale's on wednesdays supergirl's on sundays on the larger interwebs, I am at Quetzalish. Don't worry, it's in my bio <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, uh, be on the lookout eventually for the last couple columns of Worthy because I have to trudge through every single tie-in for War of the Realms. <laughs> nice. And Jake, what about you? I edit a lot of stuff on multiversitycomics.com. If you're seeing an article there, you got like a... I'd say 20% plus chance that I did something with it. So that's kind of cool. But you could definitely, if you like listening to me talk about X-Men, I do it uh, every month on uh, the Mutantversity column. I also do the Buffyversity column for Multiversity. Um, you can find me on Twitter at rambling underscore moose. Rambling because I ramble about X-Men. Moose because moose are cool animals. Yeah, and that's where, that's where I'm at most of the time. Nice, nice. And folks, you can find... Uh, me on Twitter at KBGregory13. We would love to hear what your lists are for the top six on of Xbooks. You can tweet at all of us or you can tweet using the hashtag make mine multiversity or comment in the comment section of this post at multiversitycomics.com. We'll be back in two weeks for more news and content and we will see you then. <laughs>